What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Fuck, it is good to finally be back, be in my office, be in front of my mic, be talking about old video games. And this week it is finally time for the much anticipated Bioshock episode. Is it well, much anticipated? Uh, much promoted, maybe we'll go that, much promoted Bioshock episode. Uh, I have been talking about doing this episode for quite a while, and admittedly, as soon as we started covering the occasional PS3, Xbox 360 game here on the show, this was the one I knew I wanted to get an episode done about, probably more than any game from that era. I fucking adore Bioshock. I recently replayed it for the podcast for the first time in years and years fucking holds up i love it man one of the coolest most original crazy concepts for a video game i've ever seen it is so much more than just a first person shooter we're gonna get into all that if you've played oh and and if you have played bioshock you know there's a pretty big plot twist at one point during the game we are not gonna spoil that for you so if you've never played bioshock and you want to after this listen you can listen to we're, i mean there's a couple of minor spoilers but there's a huge twist and we're not gonna reveal it till the very end of the episode and then i tease it about three times before i well, i finally count it down i go five four three two and when we hit one that's when the spoilers start it's right near the end of the podcast so if you haven't listened you're good for most of it just stop when you hear me counting down because we are going to ruin a pretty big plot twist for you. Uh, my buddy Tyler is my guest. He returns to the show this week, and I want to apologize once again for missing this episode last week. I hate missing episodes. Um, we just weren't able to make the stars align. It was just too too crazy. But we're there now, though. We made it. We're talking Bioshock. Hopefully you like it. And we'll get there in just a minute because speaking of the stars aligning, it's time for yet another edition of that Remember the Game infamous fucking intro. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Thank you for listening. Consider this your warning. Our intros have gotten quite long, but but listen, but they don't suck. I mean, like, well, I mean, like, I don't, some people don't think they, I mean, most people don't think they suck. Some do. I would say 50, yeah, 55, 60% of society don't think they suck. It's lots of video game talk. It's fun. It's not just mindless dribble. It's mindful dribble. Uh, we have merch. I got to plug the merch. You know that we have hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, etc. All rock in the remember the game art drawn by my man, Joe over at four, five, four, five creative, including our new video game mashups, t-shirts and hoodies, uh, where we take iconic, well, I shouldn't say we, all I do is talk. Joe took iconic video game characters, smashed them together. And now we've got Magnus, which is, uh, a certain bounty hunting, female badass and a certain little blue bomber robot that takes other people's powers stuck together we have king dowser which is a giant fire breathing lizard combined with a monkey that wears a red tie and we've got uh supermank which is a obese plumber who's always chasing his girlfriend around and a weird little elf that doesn't say any words and i that's all I'm going to say. But anyway, they're really cool. I just got my uh, my Magnus t-shirt in, and it looks fucking dope. Uh, I'm going to be wearing it for my stream tonight, which will have already happened by the time you're hearing this. But either way, 
RememberTheGamePodcast.com if you're interested in checking out our, our merchandise. It's also a great way to support the show. Uh, we have more ideas coming down the pipeline as well because Joe is one talented motherfucker and he keeps drawing, so we're going to be constantly rolling new stuff out over there. Uh, and of course, if you don't like clothes, you can always just support us on Patreon. That's the cheapest way to do it. It's two bucks US a month. And in exchange for that $2, you get two extra podcasts every week. You get my gaming news podcast, Game Patch, every Friday, and my gaming discussion podcast, Expansion Pass, every Sunday. And you also get instant access to over 100 bonus podcasts that are just sitting there in the archives. Um, This past Sunday on Expansion Pass, we talked about gaming white whales. That one piece of gaming memorabilia, hardware, that one collectible that you just want more than anything. I talked about some of the stuff I'd love to get my hands on if money was no object and space was no object. Uh, I shared a bunch of the community's ideas. It was just a really, I thought it was a really fun episode. So uh, as is becoming tradition, here's a quick sneak peek at last Sunday's episode of Expansion Pass, Our Gaming White Whales. Yeah, if we're just playing like kind of fantasy, you know, collector and it's the ultimate white whale, the number one, like, and I mean this, like the number one coolest thing I could possibly own, I think for my personal, from my perspective is the Nintendo PlayStation prototype. And if you don't know what that is, PlayStation, the original PlayStation was going to be a CD add-on to the Super Nintendo. And it was like 90% developed or something. And then Nintendo kind of pulled the rug out on Sony and and kind of fucked them over. And Sony was like, well, we already have this thing developed. Let's just release it as a console. And PlayStation was born. And that's why I always say that PlayStation is almost like Nintendo's Venom because Nintendo created PlayStation and then PlayStation fed Nintendo their lunch. But the a prototype, because there's not very many of them, a working prototype of the Nintendo PlayStation uh, sold, I think, last year. Yeah, I have it right here. It sold last year uh, for just over three hundred thousand um, dollars. And it's like it works. It's not. There's a ton of games for it, but it's it is. It's the Nintendo PlayStation. And I remember when that thing came up, and I was like, dude, like that's <laughs> three hundred thousand US. That's about two million dollars Canadian. More than I paid for my fucking house. So that was last Sunday's episode. And now I think for this weekend, we're going to, we haven't done. So when I first launched our Patreon, you used to get two bonus podcasts a month. It was, you got a game review in the middle of the month and you got a Q and a episode at the end of the month. And then we shifted it to a gaming or to an episode every week. And then we phased out the Q and a episodes. Cause I know not everybody listened to them. I don't listen. I support other shows on Patreon and I don't listen to the Q and a episodes all the time. Um, but we haven't done one in almost a year so we're going to do an Ask Adam Anything episode this week of Expansion Pass. And it's going to be, it, it it will be one question per Patreon, but I will answer every question we get. And if I'm here for two hours, then so be it. And I don't know if anyone wants to listen, but I know part of the reason I don't listen to Q&A episodes of podcasts is because I'm like, well, my question is not going to get answered anyway. If you are a Patreon supporter and you write in with a question, I will answer it. I promise. Okay. And it can be about whatever you want. I don't care. It's, I mean, I'm not going to give you my pin. Well, I'll, no, I'll give you my pin number. Yeah, why not? I don't know. Fucking, you can't get blood from a stone, you guys. Uh, but either way, that's what we're going to do for this weekend's episode. So again, two bucks a month. It gets you instant access to all those podcasts, new ones every Friday and Sunday. Plus, 
You can join our Discord that way. You get a chance to vote in our Patreon poll. You can submit comments and questions for all of our podcasts, including playing Play One, Remake One, Erase One. And you get a shout out here on Remember the Game, and you get to hear me mispronounce your name like I'm about to do to a bunch of these people. Uh, And there's a lot of them this week because it's been two weeks since we recorded one of these. So a huge thank you to all of our newest Patreons, Micah Veal, David Deegan, Chris Daniels, Gareth Dunn, Matt, Denzalo, Evan, King Caruso 64, Michael Bayshore, Eric Chavinius, Matthew and Jules Forever, Holmes, Ryan Gibbons, Dan S., Adam Goldstein, Vigo the Butch, Matt High, there's my voice crack, Matt High, <laughs> Austin Uresti, Nemo Sandoval, and Matthew Centrone. I'm 100% sure I pronounced about half of those names wrong. But thank you all so much for the support. Welcome to Remember the Game Industries, patreon.com slash remember the game. Uh, I have a P.O. box. You can find the address at rememberthegamepodcast.com. And if you're interested in just coming by my uh, Twitch streams, I stream at least every Tuesday night. I don't get on there too much off too, too much more frequently these days, but I did get a couple of new Lego sets. And I'm going to try to, I got the Seinfeld set and I got the Carnage uh, head. And I'm going to try to build those on Twitch sometime in the next couple of weeks as well. So just follow Member the Game on Twitch. I, 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 I turned down the affiliate status, so I don't even have subs anymore. I don't, it's not going to cost you a penny. You can just come hang out with me and shoot the shit if you want to. Look for Member the Game on Twitch, not Remember. Member the Game on Twitch. Excuse me, hit me with a follow. It'll tell you when I'm on there, and you can come by and chat with me, and it's lots of fun. And that's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some of you by blowing in some cartridges. It is our official opening segment of the show. I read a few comments and questions from our Patreons, usually gaming-related, but not always. And we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows all right. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. (laughs) And, uh, And just... A lot of you sent messages in over the last week while I was gone just saying, you know, enjoy the holiday and a lot of people were just saying really nice things about our content lately and all the content I put out and um, I, I don't read all your comments like that on the show, but I do, cause, you know, because I don't want to just sit here and blow smoke up my own ass for half an hour, but I do read them all personally. Uh, I reply to them when they're DMs, but thank you all very much. It's just been a lot of kind words, you know? Um, I won't lie to you. Now that comedy is back, balancing four podcasts a week with comedy, um, is a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, because if you're new to the show and you don't know, I am a stand-up comedian. That is my day job or my night job, I guess. Um, and we got back from a camping trip last week. I was home for about 48 hours, and then I was back on the road. I did most of the Patreon podcast last week from my hotel room in Calgary. So the point is just thank you for all the kind words. I love doing this. Remember, the game isn't going anywhere. I love being busy. You nerds make this fun. Thank you all so much, okay? All right, let's blow. Uh, we'll start with I Am The Mutt, who wrote in and said, Adam, have you or uh, Adam? I've heard you say in the past that you're going to do an episode on Final Fantasy X. Any idea on when that will be? It is the one Final Fantasy I have finished, and I can't wait to share some of my opinions of it. Uh, I am definitely going to, like, I won't lie to you guys. You should see, I have a spreadsheet that I keep. It's gotten quite unorganized now. But I keep a spreadsheet of every game on every console that I've played or at least played enough to hold a conversation about. And then I send it to my guests and then they send me games and I try to, I've been trying to play more games to get caught up. I definitely want to talk Final Fantasy X. I did play it back in the day. I didn't finish it. I didn't like Titus at all. I love Blitzball and I liked Waka. I hated Titus. But I, I actually just picked it up for my Switch because it was on sale 
And my plan is I'm, I'm going to get through it. So I don't know. I would guess probably toward the end of the year, Mutt. I don't know when I'm going to get around to finishing it. But at some point, Final Fantasy X is coming. I, like, at this point, I'm going to just probably finish this, the library. Like, I'm getting close. Other than the two online games, all I have left to play are two, three uh, tactics, which I know everyone keeps telling me, play tactics. I promise I'm going to at some point. Uh, two, three, ten, twelve and 13 those are what i have left to play and uh, i know there's some duds in there but I, at this point i'll probably just finish the series but yeah so final fantasy 10 is coming at some point i just it's just a matter i'm not entirely sure when uh andre sja flash wrote in and said so i don't know who needs to hear this but i've been doing a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie rewatch and i've concluded that the michael bay produced movies aren't that bad honestly they're overall better than the originals teenage mutant ninja turtles forever is probably the best movie but i don't include that here as it wasn't a theatrical release i'm very excited to see what seth uh rogan is it Rogan or Green? Yeah, Rogan. What Seth does with the property. Uh, but yeah, I dare you to go watch those two Bay films again if you haven't done so recently. Adam, feel free to message... Or again, feel free to message Adam for my address. Uh, I So I stumbled my fucking way through that comment. It took me two messages before I started fucking them up. But I agree, dude. For those of you that are newer to the show, I'm a huge Ninja Turtles fan. My left arm is uh, Ninja Turtles tattoo sleeve. I'm a big Turtles fan. And um, I've always defended the Michael Bay movies. I I... I still think the original 1990 movie is the best movie in the series. I do like Turtles Forever as well. But the the two, I think the second Michael Bay movie is actually better than the first one. I don't think either one is on the level of, of uh, the original movie. But like I like their design in those movies. I think they nailed their four personalities really well. The second movie is the ultimate fan service because you get Krang and Bebop and Rocksteady and the Turtle Van and... Uh, the Technodrome is there, and I mean, the only problem I have with the second Michael Bay movie is that Casey Jones is kind of a bitch, as opposed to, like, retro Casey Jones, but I'm, dude, we're on the same page here, Flash. I will defend the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movies till the end of time. I don't think, they're not perfect, but I don't think they're that bad at all, and I also cannot wait to see what, what the future holds for Ninja Turtles. Uh, speaking of movies, fuck yeah, I can't wait for Venom Maximum or Venom 2, Maximum Carnage, whatever the fuck it's called. Let there be Carnage and Ghostbusters. And just, I'm not a huge movie guy, but like Venom versus Carnage and a new Ghostbusters movie are the two movies I've wanted forever. And they're both like just months away and I can't fucking wait. Uh, Raul wrote in on Patreon and said, so aside from the Sega Saturn, what's your least favorite console? Uh, so for the record, I don't hate the, I didn't hate the Sega Saturn until all the fucking Saturn fans invaded our goddamn community and started ramming it down my throat i still don't hate it i it's indifference it's indifference toward the sega saturn um if you're not like if we're not counting the freak systems like you know the panasonic 3do and that kind of like if you just stick it to like and i'm not counting the virtual boy either um you know what it's probably the wii the wii is probably my least favorite like I like all the Xboxes more than the Wii. I like all the Nintendo consoles more. I like all the Playstations more. I like the Sega Genesis more. I like the Dreamcast more. I like the handhelds more. Yeah, it'd be the Nintendo Wii. That'd probably be my least favorite system. Fuck, I hate that thing. It's Mario Galaxy made that thing tolerable. Uh, Matt wrote in and said, what's up, Adam? Great job with the show. I just signed up for the Patreon to show some support for all your great content. I'm throwing out into the universe so that hopefully one day the Warriors can end up on Remember the Game. It's a great beat-em-up, and I spent hours completing all the bonus objectives and the unlockable game mode in the end. Making my own gang was awesome, but nothing is better than paying some random bums some money to recruit them to start wrecking other games. Also, the Punisher... Gangs, pardon me. Also, the Punisher is a pretty dope-ass game if you haven't played it. You know what, Matt? You are like the 
you've got to be the fucking 20th person. And I'm not yelling at you for this. You've got to be like the 20th person to write in about the Warriors. And I remember my brother used to play it all the time when we were kids, my little brother. I've never seen the movie. I've never played the game. But uh, it's going to end up on it's going to end up on a Patreon poll soon. And it's probably going to win. It's just, I keep hearing about this fucking game. And I, so I'm curious to all of you out there that are Warriors fans, I'm going to get like 400 messages over this. Do I have to see the movie before I play the game for the game to make more sense? Like for it to make sense, I should say. Of course, it's going to make more sense. But I have not played it, but it comes up a lot. I had a few people write in about games this week. Emily Luna wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, like you, I'm also a huge fan of Slay the Spire, and I've put countless hours into it. Nice job, Emily. Over the weekend, I found another game that's really similar, but adds in a party and quite a bit of complexity to the formula. It's called Banners of Ruin for the Switch and PC. I highly recommend it. You know what, Emily? Wolf Magic 21 another one of our patrons, DM'd me about this Banners of Ruin last week, too. And said the exact same thing, compared it to Slay the Spire. I was like, it's awesome. Uh, so I've added it to my watch list, my my bad eye, or my good eye watch list. Because when you compare something to Slay the Spire, on one hand, it almost assures that I'm probably going to give it a chance at some point. But on the other hand, you're also setting the bar astronomically high. Because Slay the Spire is one of my favorite games of the last like 15 years. But Wolf Magic and you, that's two people now that have brought this game up to me. So I'll keep an eye on Banners of Ruin. Uh, Dan Taylor wrote in and said, Hey Adam, I know you love Slay the Spire as I do. And it had me wondering whether you've ever been into any other card games like Magic the Gathering. I've just gotten into it via arena and buying some cards in real life. And I'm already getting very caught up in it. I also feel like it could get real expensive real fast. Also, if any of the hot dogs from the UK know any ways to meet other players, I would really appreciate it. Uh, you know what, Dan, I tried playing Magic the Gathering a little bit when I was like in junior high, I think. Um, and I liked the idea but I just sucked. And I think what it's come down to with card games is it's like Hearthstone. I know a ton of people were into Hearthstone. My girlfriend was really into Hearthstone for a while. Uh, I liked it for a bit. I don't, I'm not shitting on them, but I don't like the games as much where you have to build a deck and maintain the deck. I think what appeals to me about Slay the Spire is that he's starting over from scratch every time. And so every time you're building a random deck, that's, I enjoy that more than the complexity of like a magic, the gathering or a Pokemon card game or whatever, where you build a complex deck and you have to, you know, tweak it and polish it. And I, I much prefer the start over every time randomization, build a new deck every time. Um, yeah, I think I played, dude, I thought magic, the gathering was such a cool idea. And then I played it, I don't know, half a dozen times and got just stomped and was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I understand it, but I'm never going to be good enough at this to, I'm never going to put enough time into this to be good, but I do. I do like the concept of it. Uh, a couple more here. Dane wrote in and said, Hey Adam, hope you had a great vacation and that the smoke wasn't too bad. Thanks. The, the vacation was great. The smoke was pretty ugly, but thanks Dane. Uh, Dane says, now I know you like Mega Man and want to play more Game Boy games. So I think it's time you took another look at the .NET games. I came to Mega Man a little late and never owned one, but I would read my Mega Man three guide over and over again. And I just thought the bosses were so cool, but the story and characters of at least the first two net games are what made me a fan. Also don't sleep on the GameCube version is a Metroidvania ish Mega man you know what uh so i assume the net games are like the battle network games i have never all i've played is the original 11 mega man games i played mega man 5 on the game boy and i've played some of the mega man x's and that's it i've never played the the network games and i've heard from a few people they're really good they've just always looked so different to me but i keep hearing that i do have a couple on some consoles around here that have maybe been tweaked um at some point i'll probably give them a chance i don't know when but because i do Oh, I love Mega Man so much. Um, I just like classic, like, 
I don't. I think Mega Man X is the best Mega Man game ever, but I just love the original series more than anything else that he's done. But I, I who knows? Maybe I'll try these network games and be like, oh my god, these are better than the originals. I, I mean, pff, that'd be awesome. I don't, I'm not counting on that, but that would be awesome. Uh, and then finally, we're gonna wrap this up with our letter time letter. It's letter time. It's letter time. Vincent L wrote in and said, "Hey Adam, I so I don't usually read comments in the letter time letter that aren't about video games." But this one just really hit close to home with me, and I wanted to take a moment to talk about it. Vincent L. wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, I hope all is well up in Canada. I have a question. Have you ever heard of a comedian named John Panette? If you haven't, I recommend watching his stand-up. Also, what's one piece of advice you'd give to an aspiring comedian living in a pandemic? So to answer your first question, Vincent, I absolutely know John Panette. My girlfriend and I saw him live before he passed away. And after the show, he signed a DVD for me that I still have. I don't have any of my DVDs anymore, but I kept my signed John Panette DVD. If you guys have not seen John Panette, uh, I agree with Vincent. Look him up. John, and then it's P-I-N-E-T-T-E. And you may recognize him. He was the the chubby guy that got robbed in the Seinfeld finale. He's got stand-up about going to the water park and people calling him free willy and about how he goes to Chinese buffets and they throw him out because he eats too much. He's a very big man. And all of, a lot of his jokes are, are about his size. Um, but he's just phenomenal. One of my favorite comedians of all time. And to be honest with you, I started stand up shortly after we went and saw him live and he signed my DVD. Um, so he was actually one of my biggest influences into getting into stand up. So I, I, I love, I, I adore that man. I adored John Panette. Rest in peace. He was great. And then what's one piece of advice I give to an aspiring comedian living in the pandemic? Use the time during the pandemic when there's not as many open mics to find a better career so that you don't go into stand-up comedy. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm half serious. Uh, it's t- All you can really do is write. You know, Until mics are open again, just write. Be ready so that when the mics are open again, um, if they're not where you live, you can go out. Because like when you start and you go to your first open mic, they're probably going to give you at most five minutes. I know some places do two or three here in Edmonton. It was mostly fives. That's what I did in my first set was five minutes. And you'd be shocked how long it could take you to write five minutes of material. You'd be, you'd be surprised. So be ready. That's what I would say. I knew every word of my act on my first set, like every word. And I don't recommend doing it that way because I, I personally find comedy better when you don't just know every word and reading it off a script. But when you're brand new know your act before you go up there. Don't show up to your first open mic and just assume you're going to go up there and riff because you're going to bomb and everyone's going to hate you for it. People, even if you bomb with prepared material, people, the comics will respect you infinitely more if you just took the time to write a little bit of material and go up there and be ready. So that's what I would recommend is is be writing, write down ideas, write down anything you think that's funny and be ready for when open mics come back, you can get up there and and get started. And when they are back, no joke. I know I said, don't go into this awful business, but if you are going to try stand-up comedy, the biggest piece of advice I give everyone is to just start because so many people wait and wait and wait. Like I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then, you know, they never do it. I didn't start until I was in my thirties. So fucking start, get out there and just, you'll never know. Even if you bomb, if you bomb and you hate it, at least then, you know, but get up there and try it. That that would be my advice. Right now, like literally, like write, like W-R-I-T-E, right now. And then as soon as you can get on stage, fucking get up there and just try it. Uh, and God bless John Panette. And that'll do it for Blowing in the Cartridge. Thank you, everyone that wrote in this week. We had way, like, it's been two weeks, so I had a ton of comments. Like, I got as many in there as I could. Uh, let's change things up, and let's get into our smash hit segment here on, a sh- on the show. Play one, remake one, erase one. 
And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week, I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one as it was released, they can remake one as a modern game, and the third is a race from time forever. And as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, this time around, I wasn't sure what games to do. I usually try to tie them into whatever we're talking about, the bulk of the podcast. But we're talking Bioshock, and that a lot of games from the Bioshock era don't really need remakes yet, so... I thought I'd go to the generation before and I would just pick one of my favorite games from the GameCube, the PS2, and the Xbox. So we're going with Resident Evil 4, GTA San Andreas, and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And 47% of the vote, and you gotta remember, there's six possible options. 47% said play Resident Evil, remake Star Wars, erase San Andreas, which kind of shocks me, but I also get it because I think that's what I would do too. Um, but hey, when you're right, 47% of the time, you're wrong, 40, 60, 60, 53% of the time, you're wrong. So let's look at a few of your explanations here, both right and wrong. Juga wrote in and said, uh, what the hell, Adam? Arguably the best third-party title on each of these consoles. I think you play Resident Evil 4. This gem can live on as an underrated GameCube, on the underrated cube. This gem can live as is on the underrated GameCube. There we go. Remake KOTOR and erase Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Rockstar lives on with San Andreas, but erase it. Man, this hurts. And you know what? I think that's part of the reason a lot of people erase San Andreas is just because the franchise probably would have been fine without it. If you had just gone from Vice City to GTA 4, they would have been okay. Um, it just... Uh, like, yeah, like I, I get it. Cause I, again, this maybe not the logic I would follow, but it is kind of what I would do. And I was like, I was shocked that almost half of you erased Grand Theft Auto when it's one of the biggest franchises ever. But then I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, you've got four, you've got five. Do you need San Andreas? I get it. Vomit the Soul wrote in and said, anyone who says erase Resident Evil 4, you're just straight acting out of pocket. And I hope liquors plague your dreams. I've never heard that. You're acting out of pocket. I'm going to keep that. Uh, Vomit says, uh, play Resident Evil 4 because it's a perfect game and that is shown by its constant releases and impossible delete, or pos- and it's impossible to delete as it set the tone for the entire survival horror genre and even game mechanics. It's in my top five favorite games of all time and I have great memories playing it on the GameCube. Remake KOTOR as it's a fun, fun game, but updated controls and gameplay would make the game much more enjoyable for new players. And while San Andreas was fun, the franchise would survive without it and frankly, it just doesn't match the greatness of the other two games. Uh, you know what I like, so I've never heard the term you're acting out of pocket, although I like that. Uh, but I do agree. I think anyone that erases resident evil, and I know there's some of you in here. I think you're fucking crazy. I, you all know I have a hard on for resident evil four, but I just, I'm like, dude, that's one of the greatest video games ever made. I don't, I, I can't be convinced otherwise. I can't imagine erasing that game. Captain N wrote in and said, erase KOTOR. I cannot get behind the hype of this game. It was, to me, a very boring experience that I couldn't force myself to finish. Play Resident Evil and remake GTA, because between the remaining two games, I couldn't care less which one is remade or replayed, so to follow the rules, I just chose randomly. Both are good games for their time, both are still playable today, and both could use a remake to update and improve on their flaws. And once again, erase KOTOR, because once wasn't enough. I'll probably be in the minority on this one, but I cannot emphasize how little this game interests me. So I played KOTOR for the first time last year after it won our patreon poll and i really liked it but i think it's an incredibly weird game the combat and stuff like that i've never played a game that's really like that before and um it's hard to explain if you haven't played it but i i 
I could, I, I could get that, how it wouldn't be for everyone. And then I also get, if you're not into Star Wars, how it wouldn't be for everybody. So I, I that doesn't seem blasphemous to me, Captain N. Uh, Paul Rakowski wrote in and said, this one is tough, but for me, the ideal solution would be to play Resident Evil 4 as is, remake San Andreas, and erase KOTOR. I can't imagine a way to improve on Resident Evil 4 with the possible exception of re-recording the notorious Leon scream out of Ashley to something less grating. That's a good point, Paul. Uh, the scale of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas would be a bit easier to realize with more modern hardware, so a fresh coat of paint and perhaps a bit more to do in the areas between cities would be terrific additions. I hate to do it because I still want to get through it, but if one of the three has to go, I'd erase KOTOR. I've tried a number of times to get into it without success, and even with the remake treatment, I can't see how it would improve enough that I, would ra- that I wouldn't rather play Mass Effect 1 through 3 instead. And I thought that myself, Paul. Like, I'm not erasing KOTOR because I love that game, but you... Other than the fact that it isn't Star Wars, I understand how you could be like, I'll just play Mass Effect. I, I think the Mass Effect games as a whole are better games. But that's At least Mass Effect 2 is. That's, that's just me, but I, I can understand that. Beth wrote in and said, play Resident Evil. It doesn't need anything improved. It's still great. Remake San Andreas. It's the only GTA game I struggled to get into apart from the first. I think it'd be amazing with GTA 5 graphics and controls. I'm not into Star Wars, so KOTOR was an easy erase. And you know what, Beth? You're one of the only... And I'm new to Star Wars, too. I've I've only seen the Star Wars movie in the last few years. I've seen the Star Wars movies. But uh, I will say, like, having played... I couldn't imagine playing it without seeing the Star Wars movies. I would have been like... I, I. it wouldn't have been nearly as fun. So if you're not into Star Wars, yeah, then I, it's easy. David Deegan said, I've never played two of these games. So I'd play KOTOR, remake Resident Evil 4 so that it could have the remake treatment, like the Resident Evil 1 remake treatment, and erase San Andreas because I found some of the missions to be far too difficult back in the day. Now, I will say, remaking Resident Evil 4 is fascinating, and I could get on board with erasing San Andreas just to get not, never have to do the remote control plane missions again. If someone wrote in and just said that, I would agree. If you just were like, I just don't want to have to do the plane missions. Fair enough. And the good enough gamer said, play KOTOR, remake GTA so that we can maybe get that Vice City remake we all really want. Uh, And erase Resident Evil because I don't care for it. Thanks, dude. Well, good enough gamer, you are bad enough to be on double secret probation. Nobody fucking erases Resident Evil 4 on my watch. You could put that, the three games could be like Super Mario World, Resident Evil 4, and Mario Kart 8. And I... Oh, those are like three of my favorite games ever, and I don't think I could bring myself to a. Re- How do you erase Resident Evil Four? I can understand not caring for every game in the franchise, but Resident Evil Four, fucking good enough gamer. Um, I'm glad there's some of you had to sweat this one. A lot of people just said it was really difficult, and I and I, I am surprised how many people dumped GTA. But I get it because, like I said, 47 percent of you did it, which is what I would do personally. I would play Resident Evil Four. Now I almost put this one into remake, but I I. All of you that have said it's still playable today, I agree. I bought it on my Switch the like the day it was ported there. The controls, every time I pick up Resident Evil 4, the controls are a little funky at first, but you get used to them pretty quick, and then they hold up and they're just fine. The game still looks great, still plays great, still awesome, still magnificent, still one of the greatest video games of all time. I would love to see it remade, but it doesn't need the remake. I would remake KOTOR, because as much as I like that game... It shows its age, and it needs a little bit of help. Clean it up, make it smoother, make it faster, maybe put a little bit more into it. I I know they are, at least rumors are, they're working on a KOTOR remake, and I just pray they fucking get it right, because that game is beautiful, and it doesn't need to be... Don't don't fuck with KOTOR. Just clean it up, make it pretty, maybe kill off Karth. 
That's all you have to do. And then I would have raced Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. And the thing is, San Andreas is the only GTA game that I've ever gotten into. It's the only one I've finished, the only one I've really even liked. And it's a good game. It's a great game. But I just like Resident Evil 4 and KOTOR more. So that's that's really all it comes down to is I just, it's the least of the three for me. So uh, as always, thank you to everyone that played. We'll be back next week with another edition of Play One, Remake One, Erase One. What have I been playing? And then we'll get into Bioshock um not a ton because we got back from our camping trip late monday i was home tuesday and wednesday but i was doing podcasts and emailing and cleaning the house and then i left thursday for calgary to do some clubs on the weekend i brought my series x with me i tried to get into the ascent um xbox i was really excited for the ascent but the the writing is the like the font the in-game font is like i have a pretty good eye my one eye doesn't work at all but my my left eye is is really sharp and the writing in the ascent is so tiny. Playing it on my hotel TV while I was sitting on the bed, which is the only place it really is for me to sit, I, I couldn't read the font. So I'm pretty close to just saying forget the ascent, at least for now. I'm really hoping they patch in some larger text because it's obnoxiously small. I don't understand how game developers are still doing this. I don't know what goes into game developing, but I got to assume that when you put in font, you can still just upsize the font. And I don't get why the fuck you would make it so tiny. Uh, I picked up Final Fantasy X for my Switch, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm going to fire that up pretty quick because I need a new game for my Switch anyway. I'll be firing up Tomb Raider on the original PlayStation this week as it won our Patreon poll. And then you want to know what? The game that I've been playing the most over the last few days is on PC, and it's Loop Hero. Um, I know. I I never play PC games, as many of you know that. I bought XCOM 2 on my PC. Really liked it, but I hate playing on my PC, so I bought it on my Xbox. And I still intend to go back to XCOM 2 at some point. Um... But I've been playing Loop Hero, and it's this weird, really retro-looking, roguelike, um, kind of card combat. It's it's very hard to explain. I might review it. It's a really difficult game to explain. You basically control this, this warrior who just walks along a loop, like a randomly generated path, uh, over and over and over again fighting enemies and you don't control them at all you don't control how fast the hero moves you don't control how the hero attacks you just every time that they get into a fight they auto fight the enemy and if they win you get supplies and you can work on your loadout or you get cards that like apply to the environment so you can put the environment down and as you alter the environment you get more buffs and more enemies and stuff like that um really funky game but i'm really digging it it's super easy to play kind of while you're working on something and uh i'm I'm yeah i'm real I, I can't believe it 160 episodes and i'm like yeah i'm primarily playing a pc game for the first time ever but it's pretty dope i wish it was on switch um and that's yeah that's what i've been playing let's get into bioshock i know that's why you're here it is the main event this intro actually this intro didn't go as long as this intro is shorter than some of them that's not bad uh as always i like to give our listeners a chance to sound off on the game we're talking about before we get into and not everyone wrote in blowing smoke up bioshock's ass and i respect that lord finish wrote in and said i've had a bit of a project here i've read every classic book watched every classic movie and played every classic game oh sorry i've had a bit of a project here read every classic book watch every classic movie and play every classic game pardon me bioshock was one of those games considered a classic and i finally picked it up this summer and it wasn't that big of deal in my honest opinion many people say it's one of the best games ever but i just found it to be a quite uh, to be quite a generic shooter i didn't get sucked into the story and the only thing fascinating me were the big daddies other than that i found it pretty boring i just didn't get it i don't think that's an obtuse opinion lord finish i will say and we talk about this when we get into the podcast i feel like if you strip the story and the lore and stuff out of bioshock and you just look at it as a first person shooter 
it's a seven seven point five out of ten. It's a fine, albeit standard shooter. It's the environment and the lore and the characters and the story and that's what really hooks me and that's really what makes it special to me but you got to put the time into learning like reading all about it and picking up all the audio logs and stuff and i could get how it wouldn't be for everyone so i this isn't one of those games where like you write in and say i don't get it and i'm like what are you talking about i i I get it i i still think it's a masterpiece but i understand that tom calvert wrote in and said i started playing this game recently and my god the atmosphere is incredible i put it on the back burner due to not having much free time but i can't wait to play through the entire series that yeah and tom is we're about to talk about it's the atmosphere that fucking makes it special chris daniels wrote in i like your cousin jack chris uh (laughs) drinking uh chris daniels wrote in and said i had a subscription to game informer magazine and bioshock uh being the cover story big preview one week Uh, I was immediately drawn into the unique style and creepy atmosphere. I was a PS3 guy and didn't get to put my hands on it for what felt like an eternity as Xbox got to claim it for eons. When it finally dropped for PlayStation, I grabbed a copy and holy shit, did it live up to the hype. My teenage daughter tried it when I picked up the collection a while back and she cites it as her favorite of all time. Now, would you kindly give this gem all the love it rightfully deserves? First of all, great drop on the would you kindly. And second of all, uh, you and your daughter both have uh, magnificent taste. Well done, Chris. It's God. I almost want to have a kid just so that I can introduce that kid to Bioshock. Doesn't really seem worth it. But I mean, not that kids aren't worth it. I like kids. I just like. Well, I don't want. I, I don't. I don't want to be responsible for a kid. Uh, Joshua, maybe I'll just go to like the school near my house and just give out copies of Bioshock. Be like, don't tell your parents. Go home and play this. Joshua Davis wrote in and said, I had gotten out of gaming and went over to a friend's house one afternoon because he had a 360 and I was dying to play Halo 3. When I got there, he was just starting Bioshock. I watched the first 20 minutes and instantly was completely infatuated with this game. I ended up going out that night buying an Xbox 360 and Bioshock. I don't want to say this game is perfect, but it's really fucking close. I ended up getting the Brass Balls achievement, which is beating the hardest difficulty without Vita chambers and damn near went through the roof when i beat the final boss i played at least once a year and don't see that ever changing it's hands down my favorite current game uh yeah that's fucking so if you don't know what the vita chambers are they're basically the checkpoints when you die you go back to your nearest vita chamber so to beat it on the hardest difficulty without going back to those chambers better man than i am joshua better man than i mercury 869 said so i played this game on stream because i'd heard it was really good and don't get me wrong the storyline's really cool and it's new and refreshing but oh man i just could not get fully into this game not just that but it felt like big daddies were absolute bullet sponges i get they're supposed to be tougher enemies but there were times where they i would run into a nut one and then another maybe one day i'll revisit this game but for me it just not fully it didn't it did not fully sell me and i thought it was pretty decent but that's as far as it goes so as we get into Mercury that it's um big daddies are tricky because the first big daddy fight is intense and very difficult and you're almost underpowered but the further into the game you get the like they almost become easy after a while and they become optional you don't have to fight all of them if you don't want to um but again I I'm not going to I think this game is a masterpiece but I don't think it's like Tetris where I'm like I don't even understand how someone could write in and say they hate Tetris I don't I don't get it Whereas Bioshock is someone who said, I don't really get it. I, I could, I would understand that. Finally, Trevor Seven Oaks wrote in and said, next first person shooter for me once I finished Halo 1. So please, no spoilers. There's only gonna be minor spoilers, Trevor, until the very end of the episode. And I'll make sure I count down before we get into the spoilers. Okay, so I'm gonna cue up some music. 
And when that music stops, it is finally time to go to Rapture and visit Bioshock with my buddy Tyler. It originally released in North America on August 21st, 2007. And for my money, it is one of the greatest video games of all time. At least one of the greatest stories. Let's go. Would you kindly listen? That's what I should have said. Son of a bitch. Okay, so after much ado, it's my fault, and I've already explained all this in the intro. Joining me on the blank phone, I'll call it the biophone this week because it's bioshot. It works, biophone. Uh, is my good buddy Tyler returning to the guest? He's been on the. He's returning to the guest. Returning to the. Show. I suck at this. Fuck me, Tyler. What's up? How's it going, buddy? Good start. I think I think you're looking for the term guest star. Ah, uh, that's what it is. Jesus Christ. You can tell yeah. I haven't recorded one of these in like a month because this is the <laughs> first one and I'm like, let's do it. And then I fuck up the first. We're literally 25 seconds in. Jesus Christ. We're finally talking Bioshock. And um, this, Such a good game. buddy, when we started, like when we originally decided that we were going to start covering occasional Xbox 360 PS3 games on the show, this was the number one game that I had in my mind, I think, that I wanted to talk about. We've done Skyrim, we've done Uncharted, but right out of the hop, I was like, I really want to talk Bioshock. The thing was, I just wanted to replay it because I haven't played this game in a long time. And uh, I I finished it a couple weeks ago, and uh, to to echo your sentiments, Tyler, this is a great fucking video game. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, so first Xbox 360 game that I ever played I just finished working uh, like 21 days on, one day off, 16-hour days. I bought my buddy's old uh, Xbox off him. I think I got Bioshock and Gears of War and Halo 3. And I don't I don't even think Halo 3 was out. I think I got that. Like I, why I wanted his Xbox 360. That's a Halo good 3. that's a good fucking starting package though. <laughs> yeah. Like and Jesus I think Halo Christ. 3 was coming out right around Remembrance Day and that's usually when we got laid off, so. Right. Um he his Xbox was getting the Red Ring of Death too, oh. so I was like, "Oh man, how much you want for it?" I got it for like dirt cheap, and I basically like played it while it was by my open window, so it wouldn't overheat in the middle of winter, and I just wrapped myself in this giant blanket. Dude, so. it's so funny you say that. Like, <laughs> I I've actually thought about like I don't think there's enough there to do a whole episode. Excuse me, but I thought it'd be funny to do an episode of Expansion Pass just about the Red Ring of Death. Because I lost oh, two man. Xbox 360s to that thing, and both times I didn't replace mine for a little while. And like, <laughs> this is going to sound like sacrilege on a video game podcast, but it was, dude, I was getting so much done without video games because i just wasn't because like all i was playing was my xbox 360 and i didn't have one and then it was like i'm working out and i'm reading and i was like my girlfriend and i are talking to each other i was like this is fucking weird right. you're but, gonna have to cut this from the episode yeah you yeah i know but then i went and bought another xbox and got back to it it's funny you say that because like we're gonna get into bioshock but uh my first game on the xbox 360 was gears of war and i've talked about it on the show before like gears is actually the game that kind of brought me back to gaming after i got out of it for a little while like i love the xbox oh. dude the xbox 360 i don't care oh. what your what your your uh your platform of choices these days the xbox 360 was a fucking rad system it had some banging titles standalones the gears of war series like my buddy and i 
who I worked road construction with. So we were off on the winters. The first two seasons I took off, the first season was playing like Bioshock, Halo 3, Gears of War 1. And then leading into Gears of War 2 for the next season I took off. And uh, we were in the top 10 for wingman for ranked and like we were on that thing 12 hours a day it was like we didn't quit working we just switched jobs so much fun i hot take maybe but i've always said well i like halo i actually prefer gears of war to halo by and large like if i could only play one for the rest of my life i'd play gears of war yeah i i, I can see that i like the the feel like the way you run and move yeah they look like, but anyway, we'll do, at some point, because I know people have asked me, I, at some point we are going to do a Gears of War episode. We'll talk about the first Sweet. Gears of War at some point. I got to replay that one again first too. But to, we'll talk yeah. Bioshock. That's why we're here today. Quick heads up, and I probably will have said this in the intro, but in case I didn't, I'll say it now. I'll, I'll have said it in the intro, but either way, it doesn't matter. I'll say it now. There's a, uh, there is a plot twist. Is, would you, is that what you would call it? I think it's a plot twist. Yeah, it's a twist yeah, in the plot. I would say a big plot twist it is definitely. like would you we're not going to reveal okay so we will talk about it everybody but if you've never played this game if you don't know what the twist is you're good for the first 45 minutes or so of the game like we'll talk you know there'll probably be some minor spoilers we won't break the seal on this giant twist until the very end of the game but i'm just curious tyler like when i think of giant plot twists in games or giant like oh my god i didn't see that coming in games like there's a certain uh, scene in Final Fantasy VII with the long yeah. sword that I think a lot of yep. people consider to be one of the big like holy shit moments. Um, yep. I would put the twist in Bioshock right near, maybe below that, but not far. Like I did not see the twist coming in this game at all. Yeah, I would say it's right up there with the big reveal in the second the uh, second Star Wars movie. Um. The one you're talking about from Final Fantasy VII, though, that happens so early in the game, yeah, and yet so late in it. That one like hurt. Yeah, that one. Whereas this one, this one was like jaw dropping. Yeah, but but like you know what I will say that I like more about this one than like the Final Fantasy VII one is that, and we'll get into this now, like because some of the people i know we have listeners we had a couple people write into the show i've read their comments in the intro that are like i didn't really like bioshock i played it for a little while i couldn't really get into it i i gotta be honest like i understand that but i like if you're if you've never played bioshock if you go into bioshock just expecting a first person shooter like if you're just like this is just like a halo or a doom or whatever where you're just running around killing people you're really not doing it justice that's really that's uh, like I would go as far as to say the gameplay in this is at at tops 50% of what makes BioShock special. It's the story and the setting and and the plot and the characters and the and the and the lure like it's like do you know what I mean? Like there's so much like you you really need just need to take the entire atmosphere of BioShock in to truly appreciate what it is. It's not just a shooter. You know what I mean? No, I would compare it to, and like it definitely leans on this genre, but a film noir story that's you know evolving, like an interactive story, right? Or you know a, a role playing shooter, right? But not to the same extent that maybe like uh, those Deus Ex games are, or uh, even its predecessor, System Shock Two, had a bit more RPG elements to it. But you know, it definitely has like a lot of story. So you're more like playing a first person shooter story. Right. Cause like when it first it, starts, like, and that sounds weak because like, you know, Halo is a first person shooter story as well. That has 
interesting cutscenes and everything, but sure. there's so much, so much, you know, like to, Halo has lots of little content too. To, to me, Halo, like Halo is 75% shooter, 25% story. Like I know there's a think, story there, but the story, like let's, I, I gotta be honest, like I like Halo, but I think the story, especially the further, in, like after Halo 3, the story starts to get kind of dumb. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Bioshock, dude, I'm telling you right now, if you well, take, if you, if you take the atmosphere and the story and everything out of Bioshock, I give it like a six and a half, maybe a seven out of 10. I think it's a passable shooter. It's, it's everything that's happening in it. That makes it the special game that it is in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I mean, you know, and what you say about the Halo franchise, well, it's because those first three were the initial brainchild. Everything after that is just right. icing. Well, reach an ODST. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk. Halo's yeah. another day. Uh, actually, yeah. you were the guest on Halo 2. You and I have talked Halo. We've talked about this. Yeah. Go back and listen. Episode 100, if you're interested. Tyler and I talked Halo 2. Um, one, of, one of my favorite episodes, too. It was like we ended up going way over the 30 We went mark. way over. That was kind of, I feel like that was one of the episodes that turned Remember the Game from like this 45, 30, 30 45 minute. You can listen to this on your lunch break to this two hour. This guy never shuts the fuck up. It was around the <laughs> Halo 2 episode where we really <laughs> ate our super mushroom and grew. Um, yeah. So with Bioshock, listen, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like we are going to spoil some stuff in Bioshock, but we're not going to spoil the big, we're just going to tell you the lay of the land and that kind of stuff. We're not going to tell you the big twist or anything like that. But like, so it's 1960. You, the protagonist, Jack, yeah. crash your plane into the ocean. Not a spoiler. Very beginning of the game. You survive. Yeah, you literally aren't even playing yet when you crash it into the ocean. <laughs> and then you swim yeah. to this tower and then in the middle of the ocean and then you take yeah. this elevator down. And basically... As there is in the ocean. There are often ocean towers. If you've ever been on the ocean, you've seen them. Yeah, we've all seen them there. Um, yeah. <laughs> now we know what they're for. <laughs> and to me, this is... Listen, like we'll get into the Atom, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, like it's not me. Like there is magic in the game called Atom. I love that. But like there is Atom. I, I, this is why you like the game. That's the only reason I like it. the game is because they named the magic after me. No, uh, but there is like there's cool <laughs> magic. There's cool characters with the big daddies. We're gonna get all that, the shooting, all that. To me, Tyler, the thing that has stuck with me when it comes to Bioshock over the last 13, 14 years, whatever the fuck it's been is the simple concept of, so you crash in the ocean, you go into this tower, you take this elevator down, and that's when you realize there's an entire civilization built under the water, on the ocean floor. It is like its own self-sufficient society. Whereas like, just like if you were in New York and you were standing at the top of a skyscraper and you would look out into New York, in this game, and one of the coolest things about this game, dude, is like, three quarters of the game the rooms you're in or the hallways you're in or whatever have glass and have windows and you're constantly looking out into this like giant metropolis underwater and you see the fish going by and you see the seaweed and that i just to this moment as i talk about it i'm like that is such a cool fucking idea that these people hated the way life worked up on up on the top side, whatever you want to call it, the us land folk. And they were like, we could do better. And they went underwater and created their own entire society. And the idea, like, because there's horror elements to this game, there's sci-fi elements, it's thriller, it's all that. I personally find it a little bit psychological because the idea that you're fucking trapped underwater but not drowning because you're in this society but there's no way to get back up to the surface and the further you go into this world the more fucked up you realize it is i just like 
I, I'm not, I, I were, I don't think I have a word in my vocabulary to express how incredible I think that idea is for a video game or a movie or a TV show or a book or whatever. I just think it's fucking awesome. Awesome. I love it. Every, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm I gushed. I'm done. I'm done. I just well, had to get that out there. Well, and I a hundred percent agree with you. I love the 1960s setting. Yes. It's very cool. So what they did was they leaned heavily into the art deco style, which is more of a twenties thing. So, you know, Ryan, when he's, Ryan's the main, uh, the guy who founded the city. Yeah. Um, when he founded the city, he takes all the smartest artists, scientists, uh, you know, farmers, you know, basically the cream of the crop. He's this billionaire philanthropist. He's Elon Musk, but like 19, I would say he started this project in like the 1930s or something, just based on the art deco. It's reminiscent of the great Gatsby. Yeah. Like it just has that, if you yes. don't know what art deco is, it just imagine the Leonardo DiCaprio movie cover, the uh, great Gatsby or like, actually like, like everybody smokes the, like the, the wood paneling of, everywhere, of, the music, yeah, and lots of straight lines and filigree everywhere. Like it's just, it's just a very, very specific like style of art that was really popular in New York. Yeah. Um, like to this day, and, anytime I hear that old timey, and I don't know the proper term because I'm an uncultured oaf, but that old timey, the like the record playing, like the old Rat Pack style music. Do you know what I mean? Like that music, yes. like that's in this game. Anytime I hear that in in the real world, in a video game, in anything, I think of Bioshock. Maybe that's weird, but that's the first thing I think of now because of the setting. And like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just it plays such a huge role in the game. So, and lots of people would go to follow when they hear that type of music. Yes. Follow, agreed. Follow definitely had a lot of that. Whereas yeah. it's this, the art deco style underwater that does it for me. Like anytime I see that style now, I'm taken to Bioshock and I'm an art nerd and like voracious reader and love film. So I've seen the great Gatsby or, um, Leonardo DiCaprio did a bunch of art deco style movies. He did one about Howard Hughes, the aviator. Where Titanic. He that, was in Titanic. Yeah. Where it's just wall to wall, similar. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know anything about movies. I, I haven't even seen yeah. Titanic. It's just the one I know. Are but, you kidding me? Uh, I know how it ends. You should. You should. Well, you should watch it because well, that's actually how Jack ends up in uh, Rapture. When they make a Titanic two, I'll tune in. I want to see what <laughs> yeah. happened. That's what Bioshock is. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> that's what happened. To all the people in the Titanic is that they just <laughs> built a city and they were like, "Let's yeah. keep going." You, you'd yeah, almost believe that. And it's yeah. like... Yeah, you could. And then, <laughs> and then they were like, uh, we're mermen now. We're men and women. And so like, and that's how the game starts, is you realize that like something has gone horribly wrong with these people yeah. and with this city underwater. And for those yeah, of you... you start out on you start out on the medical ward and like anybody you run into is insane. Like yeah, the yes. plastic surgeon is coming up with his own rules for... He's going full Dexter and you... You have no idea what's going on. Like you're not getting any information other than you've been contacted by a stranger who's trying to help you. Yeah. So as you're walking, because like you crash, you find your way to this fucking crazy underwater city. Um, and then, yeah, this dude named Atlas gets a hold of you on your radio. And he's like, you're, he, I don't know if I call him your friend, but he basically is like, hey, like I, I this place is fucked up. Help me. Help me get my family out of here. I'll help you and we'll all get out of here together because this place is fucked up. And like, listen, everybody, if you've not played this game, 
I very rarely go after like logs in games, like and, and read everything I find or listen to all the audio logs of characters that I find. Like a story needs to really get its claws in me for me to take the time to listen to all of them. Also, by the way, for all the game developers that are listening to this, shout out to every game developer that makes audio logs listenable while you play instead of having to stand still and like pause the game to listen to them. Because if you have to do that, I'm not listening to your audio logs. But this game, they're everywhere. They're like old tape recorders, like the old cassette tape recorders. And uh, they're fucking, and when I say everywhere, like they're literally all over the place. Yeah, they're and, in the dirt. They're behind bodies. They're every, in bodies at some point. Yeah, they're everywhere. And I'm telling you, you're doing yourself a monstrous disservice. if You don't, you don't have to listen to every single one, I, I guess, but I would recommend it. They add so much to it because like Tyler said, you start this game off in like a medical ward and everyone you see is just completely batshit fucking crazy running around. They're trying to kill you. There's a plastic surgeon down there going wild and picking up like the game. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, dude, but like I, there's a lot of plot points in this game that frankly the game doesn't explain unless you listen. Like they're expecting that you will listen to a lot of these audio logs. Yeah, absolutely. And this this is kind of this is a storytelling technique because the developer actually was a PC developer before they forayed into the console world. Um, their original game series was called System Shock. And everything you found in it, it's a huge story in it. Like, like I was saying, System Shock 2 had more RPG elements and more of a story than Bioshock, but you had to read 90% of it. It was all data tablets that you found. It takes place in space, and it's okay. a very similar feel. But um, And there's ghosts and weird ghouls and shit in space. Right. But, um, but you read more, right? Whereas this, you find that it's the same kind of storytelling trope as System Shock, where in a lot of PC games, where you have to find something and read it or whatever, but they have a lot of audio cues and it's just awesome. The and voice acting's great. Yes. That's what I was going to say is it's like, they're not boring to listen to. They're so no, very, well very, done. Very, yeah. Very in tune with the time they're trying to play like that 1940s to 1960s. Cause it feels like, it, I feel like Rapture spawns, you know, that time frame. It absolutely. And does. you're, you're just, and you're coming in at the end, right? Yeah. Like you're coming in when, the crazies have taken over the in, the uh, inmates have taken over the asylum. And and again, it's like uh, we are going to spoil some stuff. So shit starts getting wilder because then you, you pick up a couple of guns, you get some guns because they're going to help you stay alive down here. One of the little things I love, dude. Before we get into some of the other stuff, like like the atom and all that shit, is uh, I, I love the way that like the city is clearly crumbling. Like there's a lot of areas where you'll go into like um the lobby of of somewhere and like you can just go between like the men's room and the woman's room, like just through like broken walls and water is starting to pour in from everywhere. Like you can see that like this, this community, like this entire city has fallen into like a complete state of just disrepair because shit has just been going wrong there for so long. And when Andrew Ryan, the, like you said, the, the founder basically of this place built it, like he obviously had it in his mind that this would be, they could build the perfect society down here. You know what I mean? And, and, what what ends up going wrong is that the the perfection thing drives people crazy. Like Tyler brought this plastic surgeon. Well, it turns out that like they're they've been trying to make everyone beautiful. Like they want everyone to look perfect and everyone to be perfect and this city to be perfect. And in that, we'll get into why exactly. But like that's made people just completely lose their fucking minds and everyone's just gone completely batshit insane and they can't get out because they're all trapped down here underwater in this falling apart city. Uh, it's really a horrifying concept. Like, I think this would have made a great movie, frankly. 
I, yeah, I think so. Especially, uh, you know, with a sixth sense style twist and, um, the action scene, the stuff with the big daddies, which we haven't gotten into, but anything with like, it, it, it has elements of a horror, like a resident evil style movie Yeah, where it'd be a horror action movie Dude. where you could do it as scary as you want, but also as action based as you want. So there's a part have, what you have a lot of, uh, like just, it has a lot of elements into it. Genre the, elements. There's a part really early on in the game. It's after you can shoot electricity and we'll explain how you can do that kind of stuff in a minute. But you're in like, I don't remember where you are, if it's the plastic surgeon's lab or like a dentist lab or something, but it's like super dark and the lights are kind of flickering on and off. And then you come around the corner and then you see one of these fucking crazy sack of shit splicer people, these people that live underwater. They've got like a knife or something and they're they're like chasing yeah, you. But they're like all in the, the people all the people addicted to the magic atom. Yeah are called splicers. Yeah. Because they're splicing their DNA. Yeah. And there's like a spark very early on in the game that has always stuck with me. You come around this corner, you're in this like dark room, it's flooded, it's filling up, it's like knee-high water, knee-high water, and there's one of them just like standing there in the water with this fucking mask on and like a wrench and he wants to kill you. But then you can zap the water and like zap him and like kill everything. But there's like blood written on the walls and it's just... It's one oh, of the first I, moments in the game where it really set into me that I was like, dude, there is absolutely, it might not be Resident Evil, but there are some moments in this game, especially the first time you play them, where like yeah. your ass gets a little tight. Like it's it's a little bit creepy, man. It oh, really for is. sure. And I love for sure, that. 110%. Um, the, like I think when it came out, I was, I was inebriated slightly while I was playing it that first night. And, like, <laughs> I had Brittany, Brittany and I were living together and I had her sit beside me and I was like, oh, you got to sit and watch me play this. So, yeah. I'm a little bit of a wimp Dude, here. So. It's crazy. <laughs> like playing, and I will tell you guys, like, so I played it the first time on 360. I just replayed it on series X, uh, like the remastered version and it runs super smooth. And I played it with headphones on like a dark in the night. And, um, it's not like, it's if, like, if you don't like, you guys know I'm a pussy. I've talked about that. If you don't like scary games, Bioshock isn't going to turn you off. It's not Resident Evil. It's certainly not Outlast. I would say Dead Space no, it, is scarier than Bioshock. Yeah. I'd say Bioshock just has some creepy moments, but by no means is like jump scare. No, it's more of just, it's a, it's a weird, creepy atmosphere. And Tyler, yeah. Tyler mentioned the atom. And so, uh, that's another thing that's in this game. And I don't, I'll be honest with you, dude, there's a couple aspects of this game that kind of go over my head. And so maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't entirely understand, but they, they like, they found this stuff somewhere on the ocean floor. It was in slugs. Right. And it, and it was, that's what it was. You're right. That's exactly what it was. And what they could do is they could basically use it to like alter your genetics and pump it into people. And it, Yep. My understanding was like at first they were using the atom to like just make people better looking, you know, take you from like a seven to a nine or whatever and clean yourself up and make yourself look good. Then they started to figure out like, well, you can give yourself like certain abilities and stuff like that with this atom. Yeah. And everyone yeah. became addicted to it and everyone wanted to be more perfect and more beautiful and have more powers. And that's really kind of where everything then crime got involved because everybody wanted the atom and stuff like that. And it that's really kind of what ended up if I'm not mistaken, like at its core, that's what fucked this whole thing up was everyone's addiction to this atom and their watch for it. Right. Yeah. I think there, the one doctor, she figured out how to turn the atom into the, you know, magic powers. Yeah. 
Dr. Tenenbaum or something like that. I think I can't yeah, remember. That I might be right. into, yeah. Um, and she's like the mother of all the, the little girls and yeah. she, they harvest the atom. Yeah. The big so daddies. dude, that's the, like, you've all seen a big daddy. Even if you've never played Bioshock, you've seen a big daddy. He's, he's on the cover of the game. I don't get what anyone says. He's one of the coolest. Like they're the cool. They're some of the coolest looking characters ever in video games. Just these oh. ma- They look like massive Gears of War style scuba divers with like the old school giant scuba diving helmet on and everything. But one of their yeah. arms is a giant drill. And so for a game that doesn't have a lot of variety in villains, like you have you know guys with guns, pipe wrenches. Yeah, three or four different the, kinds of splicers. You got the yeah, yeah, and then the big daddy, and you have a few like boss battles. Yeah, having the big daddy be like an intermediate, you know, not you're not a full boss you're fighting, but they're like they're a challenge. Like I, I went, I picked it up on the uh, Switch, the yeah. remastered version, which I actually had to turn my sensitivity down for looking around. I usually crank my sensitivity to max and I am such a PC gamer now. I can't use thumbsticks. Fucking nerd. You fucking piece. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, it also just, it felt smoother having a lower sensitivity for shooting. Like I right. found I was just headshotting more. You know, I actually found Which that is, too, playing on the series X. I found it like, it took me a long time to adjust to just how quick, like when I would turn to the left, it was like, I would do like a 180, and it was like, it Holy fuck, that's really fast. It only, yeah, it whips. It's almost a whipping motion. Right? Yeah, it yeah. It feels like you start out a little slower and then kind of like, whoosh, yeah, yeah, been a little too fast. So I like having it a little bit lower sensitivity. But um, the big daddy, like I, I, so I started playing it on the second hardest difficulty and then turned it down. Like, oh, Dude, terrible. so like I couldn't beat the first big daddy I fought, so sp- I turned it down. Spoiler to everybody: like you're gonna end up fight- like at first you don't have to fight them; you just see them. And it's like, dude, like, first of all, if you've never played this game, I cannot recommend enough playing it with headphones on. And oh, uh, you can hear the like, and, like think of the Jurassic Park scene where the water is bouncing. Like you can yep. hear the like thump, thump. And then you hear them like, and eventually you see them walking and they won't fuck with you if you don't fuck with them and the little sisters, which we'll explain in a minute, the little girls that are with them. If you don't fuck with them, they won't fuck with you. But eventually yeah. you're going to have to fuck with them. And you know what, dude? It's funny because the first time you have to fight one, he fucked me up too. But by the end of the game, I was having very little problem killing the big daddies. Yeah, like, I think you get you level up. You so, get stronger, you know, right? As you pick up more atom and you get, get more abilities and stuff like that. Yeah. But that er- the first one I fought, I was going, Ooh, I might uh Yeah. Okay. And you know All what? Right. I wonder how many people stopped playing the first time they got into a big daddy because Big Daddy fucked them up with that drill and they were like, Forget this, fuck me. They do get better. And and a lot of them are optional. Like as you play through the game, it shows you okay, so we'll, we'll just explain what the little girls are that are with them. So the big daddies are basically their their bodyguards for these little girls. And when I say little girls, like they're probably I don't know what, like six little the little sisters. Like children. They're, like they're children. Yeah. And they look yeah, like they're, they're called they're and they're called in the game little sisters. Little sisters. So there's little sisters and then they're big daddies. And the little yeah. sisters look like zombies, like they're possessed. And they're so fucking creepy, man. Like, I gotta be honest, ever since the ring uh, which I fuck, I hate that movie. That's the movie that ruined <laughs> scary movies for me. I hate that fucking movie. But like, there's something about, and I know that she's not a little girl in the ring, but there's something about like possessed little girls 
that just creep me the fuck out. And these little girls are walking around this underwater fucking city that's falling apart where everyone's crazy and mutated. And they're walking around with these big daddies, which are these giant silent killers with drills on their arms. And they have massive needles on like a gun that they're walking around. And basically their only job is to go around and harvest Adam from anybody that they can find. And it is just, when you see them, it is just... I have no fucking idea how a writer came up with the idea of little sisters and big daddies, but they are such an iconic duo and they look so cool walking around together, but they're so fucking creepy. I, I love, I, I, I've seen so many pictures of cosplays from like comic expos and stuff where like little oh, yeah. kids are dressed up as little sisters. And then I assume like their parents are dressed as big daddies. Um, they're so fucking, I just think they're, I like I like I'm sure you guys can hear the like joy in my voice. I just think it's so fucking what a cool fucking idea. And so they won't mess with you because you're not messing with them. You're not dead. You don't have any atom for them to take out of you or anything. But then eventually you start to learn that like if you kill the big daddy, that little girl and all the atom that she's harvested from all these bodies is yours for the taking. And that's what you start doing. Um and that's when you start fighting the big daddies. And I you know what, Tyler, like Every time you go into a new area, like a new level, it shows you how many big daddies are in the area with little sisters. And I hit a point where like by the end of the game, I was like, I was going to keep fighting them because I wanted all that at them. But I was like, the big daddy fights almost get boring after a while because you know, you know what to expect. They never, I'm a little disappointed that they never change. Like there's not like an evolved big daddy or anything. You know what I mean? Like they're just the same There was the Rosie. Yeah, there was the Rosie. So there was the one with the rivet gun. Oh so there's yeah, two, yeah. Two You're versions. Right. There's one with the You're drill, right. and then one with the river gun. Yeah. But I, I do agree with you. The fact that they never really changed tactics. Like was, as soon as you figured out how to fight the big daddy and the Rosie, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, and it pretty go- much had to be. And it got easier because you, your character upgrades. But it still like you had a tactic that I, and back in 2007, I think this came out in 2007. Yeah, 2007. Yeah, when this came out, you know, the AI may not have been there. Like, it does play very linear. You know, mm-hmm. most of your, your uh, NPC passing is all the same and stuff like that. So that, that's just maybe a folly of the time and where the game was at. Because it did do a whole bunch of other things that were really not being done in games. So. No, but like, like the, yeah, you're right. Like, the, the one play, like, I think that the storytelling and stuff in this game, I would, I would argue the graphics are amongst the oh, best yeah, from the you, era. The music is among the best from the era. Like every, the voice acting. If I have a criticism of the game, it is you, the AI is a little bit like, dude, when you get ready to, cause like the thing about it, Tyler, is the big daddies won't touch you until you fuck with them or the little sister. They won't touch you. They'll walk right by you and they won't yeah. even look at you. And so like, as you start to pick up more weapons, you have the ability to lay down a bunch of proximity mines if you want to and get yourself into position to lure them in. And then you start attacking them and then they charge at you, but you know they're going to charge at you. So then you've got stuff laid out for them to just kind of run it. Like you can take three quarters of their health bar away before they're done their first attack near the end of the game. Um, and maybe that was a conscious choice by them to be like, these big daddies are dumb. They're just big mindless idiots that are only obsessed with protecting this little girl or maybe it was an ai limitation i don't know but uh, listen there's gonna be very few criticisms of this game in this episode but that is by the end of the game i like that i think what it is is that that first big daddy battle is so iconic 
The first time you see one is terrifying, and then the first time you realize, like, I have to fight that fucking thing, it's it's you're it's intimidating, and then it sucks that like it never really gets any different. It just it it goes from like oh my god to hearing the footsteps and kind of being like ah oh, for fuck's sakes here we go again. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I would say that's the biggest downfall to the game. That's probably uh, yeah. like the only criticism, and I. I feel like it's justifiable just because of the time the game came out. Yeah. It wasn't anything. You didn't have adaptive AI. You didn't have, you know, uh, you know, robots I, like in left. I just know. feel like it, like it might've been cooler if there had been less of them. Cause like you end up fighting, yeah. like, I mean, it's optional. You don't have to fight them if you don't want to harvest the, the atom from the little kids afterwards. But like, oh, can you play through and not fight any of them? There has you to have to fight a fight. couple, but I don't think you have to fight that many. You could skip them if you want to. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's so many, like two, three, every single level. Like I think it would have been more special if there'd only been three or four in the whole game and you, and everyone was different. You know what I mean? Like, instead of just like, here's three or four more and here's, they're like, you know what they are? They're boom, boom from Mario brothers. And there's yeah. like two or three yeah. on every world. And it's after a while, like fighting boom, boom kind of is like, okay, here we go again. And that's kind of what they are. Like they're way cooler than boom, boom. Um, yeah, if there were more variants, I'm kind of I'm I'm agreeing with you because they could have put more variants in. Like, oh, it wasn't totally. Like you had endless possibilities with that giant suit yeah. and the, what you could have done with it. Endless possibilities. Like you could have pumped them full of Adam and given them fucking weird abilities like you have that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So then, when you kill the big daddies, this is I love this twist. I've never gone uh, okay. So so when you kill a big daddy. The little sister that it was protecting. And by the way, you will find big daddies that don't have a little sister. They're just walking yeah. around looking for a little sister to protect. Because it's cool. And you, do, Go ahead. and you do get more money and supplies from them. But the cost to take them down. Oh. And when I first played this, I probably wasn't thinking of it. It was just like, woo, enemy beat them. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Good. But the cost to take them down <laughs> is oftentimes more than what you gain. Yeah. Like so when, it's not like... It's not like, oh, I just wasted like 120 machine gun ammo. Sweet. Oh, I got $40 off them. I can buy yeah. six bullets. Like when they're protecting a little sister, they are worth taking down because the atom the you get atom. from the little sister is critical for upgrades. That's basically your XP. Like that's how you level up is with this atom. But when you see just a solo one, you're right. You could like kill them and then it say it gives you like five frag grenades and 40 bucks, but it costs you six frag grenades and half of your machine gun ammo to take them down. And you're just like, well, that I lost money on this fucking battle. But one of the one of my favorite things in the game, actually, is that you can get one of the abilities, and we'll get into the abilities in a minute because I still want to talk about the little scissors. But one of the abilities you can get is the ability to hypnotize the big daddies and make them think that you're a little sister, and then they'll follow you around and protect you. And I think that's like the coolest fucking thing in the world. I always use that when I get it. Always. Oh, and it was, it's, such a good ability like you go into a new area there's a bunch of splicers your big daddy takes care of them and then once the area is clear it's like all right you were, you were a good big daddy but time to go yeah then that. you put a bullet in the back of his head but he just like <laughs> he protects you it's one of the cool so we'll get into the abilities in a minute so when you kill a big daddy that's protecting a little sister then the little sister just what do they call him mr bubbles 
Mr. Bubbles. Yeah, Mr. Bubbles. Or Mr. B sometimes, I think. Yeah, that's what they call the big daddies. Is like the little girl will be standing over the dead big daddy and be like, get up, Mr. Bubbles, like crying. And then you get to... Again, adding to the atmosphere of how creepy it is. Like you're in a little girl jumping around and like sticking her syringe and pulling Adam out of dead splicers. And then, Mr. Bubbles. And she walked around. It's so creepy. Yeah, that this underwater fucked up society basically took orphaned little girls and used them to go out and like harvest Adam. It's, just, it's fucked up. But when you kill the big daddy, then if you go over to the little girl, you'll basically like pick her up and then you have two choices. You can either rescue her, which is basically you, you turn her back into a, a little, a normal kid again, or you can harvest her, which will kill her, but you'll take more Adam out of her that you can use to buy more abilities and more upgrades. And dude, I always play the evil route when I play video games. I just like, I just like it better. I like bad guys and movies and video games and everything. This is the one game I've played through Bioshock twice to fruition or to completion. And neither time have I been able to bring myself to harvest the little girls and kill them for more Adam. I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I don't, I can't do it. I do you, have you ever looked up what happens? Yes, I have. Okay, I was going to say, if you've never seen what happens, because all it takes is one. Yeah. And it changes the entire outcome of the game. Like, you could be like, I'm going to be a piece of shit once. Yeah, and for the record, everybody, like, it like it literally, like, it's not, the whole game doesn't change, the ending changes. Like, you don't have to replay yeah, yeah, the yeah. entire game. It's yeah, just a different, yeah, like, ending cutscene type yeah. thing. Um, it is, it is. You're absolutely right. It, it just changes, like, and it's not even, like, the big twist is the same. Like it's a bunch of stuff is the same. It's just the very end mm-hmm. cutscene basically is different. So like, but, honestly, yeah, all just, I did was I played it. From I played harvesting it, one. I played it good. And then I just looked up the bad ending just to see what would happen. Did you kill them? Did you harvest <clears throat> the little kids? Not n- neither time that I played. I didn't, I couldn't bring myself. It's hard. It. Right. And I know, <laughs> I know some of you were like, it's a it's video a- game, but I'm like, dude, if you've never played this game, you you feel so bad for these kids. You get to realize like what they've been put through and where the fuck they are, and they've never had a chance. And then it's like you could either make them into a normal little kid again, or you could kill them for more powers. Yeah, I, and I'm like, I, I if, think I can't. I can't do it. I, I think in 2000 when it first came out in 2007, that was the chance for me to like harvest the kids, and that would have been it. Yeah, yeah. But now that I have kids. I I could never. No, it crushes me. It crushes me that that's not an option. I know, but it's I. You know what though, dude? I like. I usually gripe about games that give you decisions that are kind of pointless, and this one, to a limited extent, it is because it's not like if you kill all of them, your game is a completely different game. Like we just said, it just the ending is different, you know. But like, I do like the idea. The first time you take down and that the big, re- di- the rest of the game is easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but you know what? I find that with Not, a lot of games. When you play Evil, the game is easier because you get more resources. I just played I played KOTOR yeah. last year, and I went full-on dark side in KOTOR, and I had more money and stuff than I fucking knew what to do with because I was just a piece of shit. Uh, and I like that idea, but I like the way that like they explain it to you where Atlas, your buddy, is on the mic, and he's basically just like, man, that's not even a kid anymore. Like, and he's not being evil. He's just like, it's, it's a mutant now. Like kill it, take the atom so we can use it to save my family and get the fuck out of here. And then the lady that made these little girls is like, they're still little girls. Don't kill them. 
you know what I mean? Like just make yeah, them normal yeah. again. And you're like, you're stuck and you, there's no timer. You can sit there and look at this little kid for half an hour if you want to, but it's like, you, and all it is is just two big buttons and it's, it's rescue or harvest and you have to decide. And it's like, it's a really the first, like, I feel like once you make a decision, once you've made your decision, but that first decision yeah. is such a, like, that's a choking point in the game. That's fucking weird, man. It's actually where I stopped playing. I just put the controller down and went, nope, can't make these decisions. I'm out. I, uh... Uh, I'm going back to GTA where I just kill everybody. Fuck this. Where everybody's fair game, yeah. So, and then after you, you start, you know, killing them or rescuing them, whatever you want, uh, you get a supply of Atom out of them, which again is like your experience points, basically. And then you can go to these machines where, and I always thought this was so cool too. You can buy plasmids and these plasmids are like potions that they've made mm-hmm. and you need Adam to make these plasmids work. But when you uh, inject them, do you inject them or drink them? I don't remember. Inject them. You inject yeah. them. Once you inject them into your body, they alter your DNA and they give you powers. And I, if you have a different opinion, Tyler, by all means, let me know. But to me, after the music and the setting and stuff like that, the, 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 the powers that you get, the plasmid powers to me is the second coolest thing in this game. Yeah. I, I, so I think first cool, the first thing I really enjoy is the, the sequel to System Shock 2. I played System Shock. I loved it. It was a PC game. Awesome. The next thing I enjoyed was the environment, like the entire aesthetic, the fact that when you walk through water and, and you know, like I think this is one of the first games I played where like water would get on your screen when you walk through it. Like your, yes. yeah. your environment affected I don't know. It like broke the fourth wall, I guess and, maybe. And dude, shout out to just the, all the developers. Cause like I, my understanding is that water is one of the most complicated things to, uh, yeah. properly to, tex- to, to texturize. Yeah. And, and, and to like, cause a lot of it is like particle generation. And so to even have like the flow of water is really right. like, there aren't a lot of programs that do it well. It's starting to become a more, it uh, is. Yeah. Mainstream thing. But. but like the water looks dope in this game. And I never even thought of that, but you're right. When you walk through, like if you, cause there's tons of places, there's like all the buildings in the game, like how we go down the street in this game, like the street is basically like these tunnels and they're just completely overarching glass with like a floor you walk on and you walk from like building to building. And, um, there's a lot of them where those tunnels are starting to collapse and they're cracking and the water is coming in. And I never even thought of that, but you're right. When you walk under the water spray and then it's on your camera for a minute as it drips down, that's so atmospheric. Like we take that for granted oh, today because yeah. it's so normal today, but back then it wasn't, you know? No, it totally was a new thing. Like just the whole aesthetic of the game just felt so new and so refreshing. And it wasn't like, you didn't have to rush with combat. You didn't have this pace. Like Halo sets its pace with its drumbeat. Like, like you feel like you're moving. This is a much slower, you know, uh, evolution of a game. And uh, I think then I liked the plasmids. I don't know. I, plasmids behind the story. The story next and then the plasmids. I thought the plasmids was such an original um, take on something they had in system shock too. So I like, I was always kind of familiar with right. what was going to be happening. Cause they kind of have like, a, I might be remembering system shock wrong, but I thought they had kind of skills like that, that you developed in that game. Well, like, so in this one, like, cause I can't speak to system shock, but in this one, yeah, like your plasmids, like, so basically what you do is you can switch between your guns and your, I mean, your magic, which is what your plasmids are, these abilities that you're giving yourself by injecting yourself with these weird things that you need Adam to inject yourself with. And to me, like, 
what's so cool is that like I love everything about the like like there's there's basic ones like you can shoot fire, you can shoot ice, you can shoot lightning. One of my personal favorites is insect swarm where you shoot like massive yeah. swarms of like hornets or something at your enemies. You get one where you can hypnotize big daddies to follow you around. You can get telekinesis where you can like catch enemies like projectiles and throw them back at them. Like there's tons of there's one where you can infuriate uh splicers so that they'll attack everybody else instead of just you. There's so many yeah. abilities and not only are the abilities cool because they also affect like the environment. You'll go into an area where there's oil and you can shoot fire into the oil and then all the oil lights on fire and hurts everybody. But to me, one of the coolest things, dude, is when you switch to like a certain plasmid, your character, because it's a first person shooter, holds his hand out in front of you and his hand always does something different. Like if he's got the fire one, he like snaps his fingers and makes like fire. Like he looks like the human torch's hand. And he yeah, makes, yeah, like, yeah. And, I love how it changed, like, his whole... It, you could tell, like, when you see the splicers and they're all messed up, it's like, oh, yeah, they've been down here for a long time doing this junk. You know, you, you see, you know, somebody for a long time exposure to drugs ends up looking like crap, right? Yeah. Kind of a... <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, they stop taking care Cri- of them. Crystal meth, not even once. Yeah. Or you'll they end up living rushing. at the bottom of the ocean attacking people with a wrench. Adam, not even once. Adam, not even once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Adam, not even once. I love it. Uh, my girlfriend would run with that. But, um, but you, it's, but, I but love the way they time, make, they yeah, make you look different. You hold a plasmid. Yeah, it's like your DNA is changing to whatever that is. And you're kind of unique compared to the other splicers because you're using multiples. Yeah. Whereas a lot of them. And it, um, oh, I was about to talk about something that's a spoiler, so I'm not going to talk. About we'll, that, we'll get to that at the end. Um, but no, I like, like, and again, to go back to it, I actually think that the insect swarm is one of the more useless plasmids. Like I don't really use it very often, but, uh, I just think it looks dude when you, cause I'm terrified of like bees and hornets and stuff. That's like one of my biggest fears in life. And when your fucking character holds his hand out and you basically just looks like you've got a swarm of hornets crawling around on your hand. I'm like, that is so fucking cool. And then when the enemies come along and you attack them with it, you it's like casting a magic spell like in Skyrim and you shoot your hand out and then they just get attacked by this giant swarm of hornets. And then you can quickly yeah. switch back to like your gun and or a it, different plasmid and attack them a different way. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and I think the swarm, it's like the for hypnotizing the big daddy, you throw like a fair almost like a pheromone sack pouch thing. Yeah. Right? And then they, they like think, a little like a paintball, but a weird greebly infected pain yeah and it convinces them that you're a little sister so then they follow you around to protect you and like yeah, there's and other the, things the, the the swarm has one too when you throw it it has to you have to hit them with that yeah you do and then it's cool because yeah. then there's stuff like the ice one if you freeze enemies then when you're attacking them they have a different health bar instead of a standard health bar it's their curved health bar but it's covered in ice and if you yeah. can knock it down to zero while they're frozen they'll just shatter as opposed to like dying like the other enemies do. And it's like yeah, some of the, those little they, things and, are so cool. And the game gives you a tip, but not after, like not until you've killed like 10 enemies like that. When you're loading into a new area, it's like, by the way, if you kill an enemy who's frozen, their stuff is destroyed. With yes. Them. Yeah. I realized that eventually. And I was like, why am I fucking so out of ammo? And then I realized it's because I'd been freezing everyone and beating them with my wrench, beating them to death with my wrench. And they weren't yeah. dropping any supplies because you're dude. And that's a great segue. Cause one of the other things I want to get into was the hacking and the vending machines. Oh, man, you have to do it. And anybody like from our generation, 
you go to hack the vending machine and it's like, you just hear the knuckles crack. Like, all right. Uh, pipe dream. Here I go. Yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> so like, there's vending machines. There's no merchants in this game. Like there's not, you know, there's no like, what are you buying? Like, there's not one of those guys in this game. There's these vending machines everywhere. And anyone that has played this game, <laughs> can hear it in their mind right now feel your cravings at the circus of value (laughs) like that come back when you've got some money buddy yeah come back when you've got some money buddy and it's or or the like whatever the fuck it is those ammo so there's there's like there's a vending machine that sells like just random supplies it can be health kits it could be adam because like you basically you can carry health kits with you you can carry eve uh kits with you that's like your mana yeah your mana you get you get first aid kits and then eve which is your plasma yeah and you know what i literally just caught it right now the eve fills up the abilities you get from your adam adam and eve i just got that i just got that son of a bitch but anyway so you can buy like those two fill-ups you can buy different ammo at these at these the the main vending machines you can buy hacking tools all kinds of stuff and then there's also like ammo vending machines where all you you get a bigger supply of ammo but what you can do is you can hack and if i'm not mistaken you can hack base every vending machine in the game and if yeah, you any anything yeah and if you hack them oh yeah because there's tons of like gun turrets cameras. everywhere and shit security yeah. cameras and you can hack yeah. them and if you hack them they'll help you um, the, the, the key thing with the gun turrets and stuff is getting close to them to hack them without them the, attacking you, which is where the electricity be, plasma comes into play. Cause you can shock them and yeah. then stun them and then you get up and hack them. Um, yeah, exactly. And there were even like health stations that you could yeah. hack and they would give you health for a reduced cost. But if you hacked them, the other thing is like the splicers can use them as well. So it would kill the splicers. They yeah. use it and it would shock them yeah that was the coolest thing is there was like these yeah there's these healing machines everywhere that you can go up to for like 10 bucks you can fill your health but yeah if you hack them because the enemies will like if you're fighting an enemy and you've almost got a death so i guess shout out to the ai big daddies won't do it but the regular splicers and stuff if you're fighting one of them and they're near one of these healing machines and they're almost dead they'll forget you and run to the healing machine but if you hack the healing machine first when they get there it sprays like a poison cloud in their face or zaps them and it kills them, which is fucking awesome. And dude, I like, cause I love like puzzles and like that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I can't solve a Rubik's cube. I can get almost there. I can get like two sides, but anyway, like I, I love, like, I love like puzzles and things like that. And the, the hacking mini game in this, um, like by the very end of my playthrough, I was a little bit bored of it, but it almost always stays fun. Like it's a fun experience. I, that's me, at least. Anyway, I really enjoy the hacking mini game in this. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I, I like I said, if anybody kind of from our generation would remember Pipe Dream, mm-hmm. like the old, like you know, the first Max had it. I think a bunch of, or not the first Max, but a bunch of the, like kind of the first home PCs that anybody would have had. Like anybody we would have known. Yeah, that's one of those games that it came with, like that Solitaire and minesweeper and if you don't know what it is it's basically like depending on because when you go when you decide to hack a machine it shows you how complicated the hack would be because you can get auto hack tools or you can pay to just try to force it through or you can go in and attempt to hack it yourself and uh, depending on how complicated the hack is the grid will be bigger or smaller and basically what happens is you start out with like a pipe on it's like a it's a it's like a square grid and it could be like five by five it could be ten by ten whatever and at some point 
there's a pipe where like this green water liquid, whatever will start flowing into the grid. And then at some other point on the grid, there's an exit pipe. And then all the spaces on the grid are covered. And you basically have to go through and uncover them. And under every single tile, there's either a, a pipe of some shape, like straight or curved or whatever, or there'll be like an alarm or there'll be like a stopper. And what you need to do is it, it doesn't wait for you. Like that, like as soon as you get into the hacking minigame, start flipping fucking tiles because that slime starts crawling along and you've got to constantly keep an eye on it and keep it moving and get it to the end. And if it hits a dead end, it'll short circuit and zap you. And if you accidentally run it into an alarm tile, which is easier to do than you would fucking think, then it like sets up. You get trapped sometimes by not having the right pieces. You don't even know. You get to a, yeah, or you get it to a dead end because you haven't flipped enough tiles. Yeah. And so you're constantly like, it's pretty easy in the, in the early going, but near the end of the game, it gets fucking hard, man. Cause that slime is moving fast and there are alarms and stoppers fucking everywhere. And if you set off an alarm, it calls security and then they come attack you for like a minute. It's a pain in the ass. So it is risk reward. Uh, but again, going back to the plasmids, not only can you buy stuff to make you shoot like electricity and hornets and things, but you can buy stuff that like ups your health. You can buy stuff that slows down the flow of that stuff while you're hacking. You can buy stuff where there's fewer alarm tiles in your hacking. So it all comes down to what do you want to spend your money on? And it's just that, that like some mini game, like, I actually don't hate the lock picking in like Fallout and Elder Scrolls games because it's so quick. It's really not that slow and tedious. Yeah. But there are yeah. games where I dislike those mini games. I love them in in Bioshock. Like I just I I I would play that on my phone right now. If that was just like a mini game where you had to solve all these puzzles on your phone, I would just play it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it that the mini game came before the the actual game. Yeah, so. yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> But it's uh, it's super, and then if you can hack the machine, then you just get better pricing on, on the stuff you want to buy. Cause you, dude, and these vending machines are fucking everywhere, and they are godsends, especially near the end of the game when you end up with eight or I don't know how many weapons. You end up with like a a rule, like a, a total wheel, like eight different weapons, and then each weapon's got two or three different kinds of ammo, and different ammo's useful against different types of enemies. And then at this point, by the end of the game, you've got a dozen fucking plasmids you're flipping through, and there's just so much I don't I wouldn't say it's like full blown crazy RPG customization, but you can build your character to how you want to play, which I think is really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean I mean I think it was like six slots per like trait. There's a whole bunch of character customization. Tons. So yeah. like you 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 know, like you're saying, you can get um plasmids that help you hack better you know, or plasmids that make it so that when you get hit, you give a little AOE electric shock or a plasmid. When you eat food, you also gain Eve. Like you get all these little things. So you can really tweak your playthrough and what your strengths are. You can have a plasmid that helps you do stronger melee attack. Yeah, right? dude. I, and I use the melee dude against the splicers. I guess big daddy melee is pretty rough, but against like the little enemies, my favorite combination in the game is I rock the electrical of uh, the electricity plasmid, zap them so they're yeah. shocked, and then switch to my wrench and just smack them in the head. Like that's one of my go-to combos because you're. I mean, the good ammo in the game. You, I, I at least this is the recent playthrough I just did. Uh, I found myself like I was running out of the best ammo at at points, so I was like, "Fuck, I need to." conserve a little bit of this and and it's on you to like you can bomb through this game in a few hours if you want do you get out of this game what you put in explore it 
look for those audio tapes and those logs to tell you more of what the fuck happened down here. And you're constant everywhere you turn, it's got some fallout to it where everywhere you turn, there's shit you can pick up that's it's food or booze or smokes and like some of that you can get drunk if you pick up too much booze and it hurts your health, but it helps your Eve and other things will hurt yeah. your, hurt your, your E or help your Eve, but it'll hurt your health. Like that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really fun game to explore and it's not really, but it's not overwhelming. It's a fairly linear game, which I personally like. Yeah. Um, like I think if you're playing it all the way through four to eight hours four not 48, four to eight hours, yeah, it depends on how much, like you said, how much you go through, how much you want to check out. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those ones where it was a game I enjoyed front to finish. Every aspect of it, I felt like I was playing an interactive movie. I felt challenged. I felt engaged. I enjoyed the aesthetic a whole bunch. The colors are really vibrant. Like normally, you know, you get like something from that era when people are trying to recreate, you know, something from World War One or two or, or from that era or even like the wild west, everybody seems to default to like lowering the saturation and making everything like really bland looking to give it that past look. Yeah. But it's, it's so vibrant. Like everything is just beautiful, beautiful aesthetically. Like it almost like, you know, when you look at old timey film and pictures and stuff and it's kind of fuzzy, like this game isn't fuzzy, but at the same time, like it almost feels just a little bit fuzzy. Like they just nailed the fucking old, um, uh, the old like the 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 environment the atmosphere of it just so fucking spot on and n- not to spoil because we're gonna go into the spoiler in a minute and start wrapping this up but like the long and short of it is yeah you crash into this ocean you go down to this little world you've got this dude named Atlas who's on a walkie talkie with you trying to help you through this fucking crazy place where you're seeing that everyone has just gone batshit crazy and they're either dead or they're just obsessed with getting a hold of Adam and they're just killing everybody and killing everything and this whole time Andrew Ryan the fucking psycho asshole that built this place is getting on the on your walkie talkie at times and like chirping you because Atlas is like look out for him he's a piece of shit and then he's like no fuck you I'm gonna kill you because you're down here trying to stop my dream like he's refusing to admit that his dream is just completely falling apart and yeah. uh god man it's just it's awesome one of these games that I just like as I'm playing it I'm like I it's there's nothing this is one of those games where like it's fun on some sec or on, on future playthroughs but your first run through it is uh Especially if you can get in, if you can get through that first run without anything being spoiled for you, it's incredible. It's just, it's a few games I've played in my life that I remembered as much as this game the first time I played it. Um, so, can you think did, of it? Go ahead. Well, you said walkie talkies, and now I can't get off thinking uh, about how wouldn't it be funny if they had named guns after the guy who named walkie talkies named guns. I'm thinking about the guns in the game and being like shooty bangy. Oh, shooty bangies. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> know if it's like actually walkie talkie <laughs> is such a shitty name for something. I totally got hung up on that detail. I don't like, even know if they're name? actually walkie talkies, but it's, it's kind of what they are like a handheld radio of some kind. No, no. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I got, no, I, I get it. The I like the name walkie talkie. No, I think more stuff. Yeah. I think more things should be named by the guy who named walkie talkies or girl, whoever named one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. What do you got there? I would, that's an odd name. No. Anyway. Um, Okay, Bang so there's a uh, there is a spoiler. There's a pretty big twist to this game. If you've played it before, we're gonna talk about it in a minute. You know what it is. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not played this game, I implore you. 
I'll warn you before we get into it. We're going to do the scoring first. So you can still hear the score. Then I would probably just say end this week's podcast. Because all that's going to happen in the outro is I'm going to thank you all for listening. I'm going to talk about how i got more podcasts to record. I'm probably going to ask you to support the Patreon again. And then I'm going to give a shout out to all the patrons. So if you want to hear that, skip ahead to the end once we do the score, okay? I'm, I'm telling you, you will not enjoy this game as much if you know what this spoiler is. But before we get into the spoiler, Tyler, we got to score this fucking thing. And what year did you say was set in? Is it 1960? Yeah, I think they started building the city in the 30s. I want to say the 30s just from the aesthetic because no. I know that Art Deco's 30s, but then uh, the game itself takes place in the 60s. Yeah, like I got it. plane crashes in yeah. the 60s. In 1960, yeah. So out of 1960, what would you score the Bioshock? I was going to say the original Bioshock, but of course it's more fucking talking about. What would you score Bioshock? Uh, um. I would say 19. Uh, what year did World War II end? <laughs> Suck. I don't know <laughs> 19, either. Now everyone's going to yell at me. 1946. Yeah. We're, we're a pair of history and history, historic survivors. There was a second World War? There was, no, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know all about it that. It was one. one long war. That Germany was the one that Forrest it. Gump fought in. I know. Yeah. Germany just called the timeout. I think that was Vietnam, but. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, this is cost us listeners. 1946. Yeah, I'll, I'll go about 1930. Like, like if it was on a scale of 1 to 10, like, I'd be in that, like, 9, probably pretty close to that 9, 9.5, somewhere in there. Like, this is, I'm telling you, I listen, I read some of your comments off the top. I know some of you guys didn't love this game and you didn't really get the hype. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think this game is for everybody, but... I'm telling you, you get out what you put in. Take some, put your headphones in, talk, you know, uh, frankly, I wouldn't even recommend, you know, any jazz cabbage for this game because I, I, I truly feel like this game is is more impactful if you're sharp and you know what's happening in the story and you're paying attention and stuff. There's so much oh, to, I'm- they put so much time into just this world and you really do get out what you put into this game. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like, uh, the people who are hating on it and saying they don't understand how this game was impactful, keep in mind, like Fallout 3 wasn't out yet. Uh, you know, Elder Scrolls was pretty much the only like open world explore first person RPG on a console. Like Deus Ex was, you know, all these PC titles that were out weren't like common household names. Like right. me playing System Shock 2, that's because I was a freaking PC nerd. And my dad, you know, also facilitated that hobby but most kids my age weren't playing these games and had any you know foray into like an open world first person exploring shooter that had these deep story elements like this was a totally new experience you know and halo had aspects of it but like this was so polished at the time when i i'll tell you yeah you're right it polished polished is the way to put it when i played this game for the first time i remember finishing it and being like that was like same way I felt when I finished last of us for the first time. Like I put the controller down. I was like, that was a special video game. And I just replayed it on my Xbox in the last month. And, uh, outside of it, it wasn't, I don't think it was quite as enjoyable because other games do what this game does now. And I knew what was coming, but I yeah. still just like, now I got to play through I, I, guys. If you listen to game patch, uh, I, I recommend the Bioshock collection every time it goes on sale. It goes on sale for like thirteen bucks Canadian, which is, I think is like eight cents in the U.S. I picked it up. I picked it up on the Switch for that much. Yeah, thirteen bucks. I got three games and the 
the third one, Bioshock Infinite, is a roller coaster freaking of craziness. You're like, getting three great ga- Like, I think Bioshock 2 is the worst of the three, but it's yeah, still it's good. A, it's the sequel. It's kind of just Bioshock 1, but more. Right? Yeah, but like they're, but you're getting Bio- three incredible but, games for that collection either way. Yeah, whereas like Bioshock 3, uh, it's like... Uh, like a Philip K. Dick drug trip, like it's insane. Just anybody quick, who read, anybody who reads Philip K. Dick, he's like this insane science fiction writer who like had weird plot twists without in everything, without ruining a single thing. I mean, if you look at the cover art for Bioshock Infinite, it kind of gives it away. Bioshock Infinite is the third Bioshock, and it's it's in the sky instead of uh, underwater. Yeah. But it's we'll get into that. Like I'm hoping Bioshock Four is in space. Like I really oh, want to see be- them do one in space, but. Oh, that would be so good because it could, they could do that and bring it back to System Shock and have a Bioshock like almost a prequel sequel. Yeah, to System because I, I would love to that's see what they, that's what they hail Bioshock as is the spiritual successor to the System Shock franchise. Right, right. Yeah, same studio and everything. Right. So uh, every time I see a trailer for Death Loop, I'm like, "Is this Bioshock Four? And then I go, like, oh, "It's Death Loop." I'm excited for Death Loop. But anyway, okay, so we've scored it. We've told you everything we want to talk about it. We're going to give it a couple minutes to talk about the big spoiler now. So this is your official warning. If you have not played Bioshock, I implore you, do not, even if you're like, oh, I'm very curious to see what the twist is, just go play the game. It's dirt cheap. Go play the game. You'll finish it in 10 hours, and then you'll know what the big twist is, okay? So I'm going to it's, get- it's, it's on the same level as The Sixth Sense or Titanic. If, you, if you've seen it, or Fight Club, if you've seen those movies- you don't have to watch it again yeah. because the twist is ruined. This twist is almost like on that same level. I feel like you can replay it because it's still a fun game. But there's, there's a twist in Titanic. Well, well, I guess it's not like I don't know. <laughs> the ship crashes. I know. No, we'll talk about this yeah, after because well, no, I, I don't know. I no, haven't seen it. it but turns I out it wasn't the Titanic, and it was a conspiracy for insurance fraud. Uh, turns out it was red <laughs> herring all along. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> so this is it. Okay, so five, four. Three, two, one. Who would have thought that Andrew Ryan was your dad? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and like, as I started to say that, I was thinking of The Simpsons when Homer walks out of the movie theater and he's like, <laughs> "What an ending!" Who would have thought Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? But it, it is. It turns out, it like, I do. <laughs> When that, that's, it's not even when it's not even finding out that he's your, your technically your old man. It's to find out that Atlas is Fontaine. That that's, is, that's the hook. That's the big hook. Like finding out Andrew Ryan's your dad is like, well, I've seen Star Wars. Yeah. Whatever. And then to the, would you kindly yeah. phrase and the fact that you're, you're, you know, you have those little tattoos on your arm and when, every time you inject a new plasmid, it's going in those little tattoos. I thought that was like you had been tattooed as a baby to be like a plasmid junkie. Yeah. Like it just was like, like so many little things were like, Oh, if, if by any chance you're still listening to this and you haven't played the game, first of all, you fucked up and I told you not to do this, <laughs> but font. So Atlas is telling you the whole time to like, you know, trying to help you navigate this town. And he's like, fuck Andrew Ryan. That guy's a piece of shit. But then they keep, you keep finding like references to this guy named Fontaine. Who's like basically like the, the thorn in in Andrew Ryan's side, like his biggest opposition. And then he starts, he starts the uprising that really tore, uh, 
the city apart rapture apart yeah yeah rapture and um he's basically like the you know i don't know the the rebel alliance leader but yeah. kind of a piece of shit too it's like both sides are shitty because they're all addicted to this drug that makes them crazy yeah they're just they there's a it's a power struggle and then you yeah. find out like to find out that this entire time atlas has been fontaine and then to find out that he was controlling you with would you kindly and then yeah and i knew that was coming this time playing it because i had played it before and it's unreal so when you when you realize how many times he's saying to you would you kindly do this and then you realize like motherfucker he is he's controlling it's what a dude what a, I, I maybe i'm just fucking gullible but like I, I'm going to ask you if you saw a comic. I did not fucking see it coming when I played it the first time at all. At I mean, all. the second, second time I knew it was coming. The second time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but like, did, like, did it catch you? Like I was, it blew my fucking mind. I just found an article on the internet that says, would you kindly read this article on gaming's greatest plot twist ever? Yeah. And I was 100%. like, it, I, I was absolutely flabbergasted by it yeah and then it turns out that yeah like so fontaine basically called you back like he you you crash he's like we think it's just a coincidence that this crane this plane crashed here and everything it's like he basically called you back and you crashed this plane to come down and and take out your old and you do kill your dad and it's just fucking i couldn't believe it like what a they do such a masterful job. You have no idea that it's coming, that it's him. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, there's really not much else. I don't really know what else there even is to say about it. I mean, anyone, anyone that's listening, hopefully knew it was coming. I just hope that you were all as shocked by it as me. I, I always ask people for their game thoughts, Tyler, to read them in the intro. And I specifically put in the game thought descri- uh, post this week, no spoilers. Cause I didn't want anyone to be like, I couldn't believe that this was it right for me it's it's i have yet to find a plot twist in a video game that was better than this one personally um i don't now now just you're playing knights of the old you're playing knights of the old republic right now no i finished it good i finished yeah it it had some good ones but still like this was this is shocking and it happens in a short enough time span that Every piece of information is relevant. That's what I find with like something like Final Fantasy VII or any other you know big RPG that's leading up to big plot twists. I find there's you're oversaturated with information. Yeah. So the the plot twist is almost diminished by it. Whereas this is such a short, you know, nice complete package that every piece of information is leading to this plot twist in some way. Whether it's fleshing out the story of the the conflict in Rapture. Yeah. Or it's fleshing out the backstory between Adam and Fontaine, or uh, sorry, uh, not Adam. What's his name? The leader, Andrew Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, Andrew Ryan and Fontaine. Or if it's, uh, you know, just even where where the plasmids and the atom came from, mm-hmm. and how uh, Doctor Tenenbaum, was, you know, her experiments. Like they go into a lot of detail about the whole. You you know the whole whole history of the city. By the time you get to the end, yeah, and what and so, what's I mean, and what's really cool is that you really you do like I keep saying it, but you really do you get out what you put in. The more more audio logs and stuff like that you find, the more the story makes sense. And then when this plot twist finally drops on you, you realize that like I I truly I feel like the plot twist hits harder the more homework you do. 
And the more you're, you know what I mean? Then you realize like all of this, every single thing you fucking came across hits in a whole different way after you realize that who you are and this is Fontaine and stuff like that. It's fucking unbelievable. Uh, Oh, I will say, and I didn't want to say it during the main podcast, but like I actually thought the final fight against Fontaine was a little lame, but it's not the end of the world. It was. It was actually, it was a big letdown. Yeah. That was like the the fight with Adam killed himself. Not Adam. I keep saying Adam. Andrew Ryan kills himself, right? Well, and then no. Fontaine is you, the big You boss. beat him to death with the golf club. You oh, kill him. I, I thought there was an option where he kills himself. Oh, I don't think I so. I have that in my head. No, it's, uh, I thought he I thought he convinced you to kill him. But, you know, either way. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. I My second playthrough, I haven't beat it yet. I'm kind of oh, playing it. I, I'm that, playing it like piece by piece, and I'm about... 80 percent done oh okay so, well sorry like, if i just spoiled anything se- for you well no that's fine <laughs> i played it through in 2007 thoroughly i think i played it twice back then but but like that fucking yeah like when you go because like basically you just go fight fontaine and he's jacked up on adam and then as you're hitting him the little sisters are coming in and like draining all the adam out like it it's 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 not like it's like i listen i've gone on record i hate final boss fights 90 percent of the time and i will say that i liked this boss fight better than like when they throw a boss fight at you, that's just a ridiculous bullet sponge that you just shoot at for 20 minutes. Like at least this was, it had a little bit of like, uh, ingenuity to it, but I, I still thought it was a bit of a, like a, I just thought it was kind yeah. of a lame. It was like, Oh, it turns out Atlas is actually this fucking Fontaine guy. Who's just jacked up on Adam. And he's like a mutant now. Like I, yeah, I would have been cooler. If he, like I would have rather fought like a, a giant big daddy or something. I don't know. Yeah. Nah. And, uh, so when you kill Andrew Ryan, it's uh, he asked you, "Would you kindly?" Right? Like he uses the phrase. That's why he killed himself, right? Oh, uh, I think so. Yeah. And then eventually, they uh, the um, Tenenbaum is that her name? The yeah. lady that made she, the little sisters like finds a way to kind of counteract the mind control for a bit, just to help you fight back. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And then oh, uh, and then you become the big daddy near the end. I thought that that segment went on a little long because it was kind of like a giant fetch quest to go find all the stuff to become a big daddy. Um, I was a little disappointed that you didn't get to spend more, like you didn't get to play as the big daddy. You know what I mean? Like use the drill and the dash. I don't think you do. Um, no, no. And and that was, I was so excited to be a big daddy, but then I was like, oh, I wanted to like be a big daddy and like go to their lunchroom and see them all like sitting around with their helmets off and be like these fucking kids, man. These little fucking, these little sisters, like, my name is not Bubbles. I don't have any more fucking times I got to tell this kid, you know? But anyway, um, I'm, I'm spent. I don't know. Do you, can you think of anything we missed? Is there anything else that you want to fucking sound off on here before we close this down? We know that World War II ended in 1945. That was just a joke. Oh, no, I didn't know that. But okay, <laughs> I, knew, well, I knew it ended sometime around then, but I, and yeah. it sucks because I actually find World War II interesting, but I don't. I'm just I'm just bad at remembering stuff. That's all. I gave you a note to sound smarter than you are. No, no, people. It's episode 160. People know. They know what they get by this point. They're listening. This is a potato talking into a microphone. They know what this is. Um, and they like it. And they like it, fools. <laughs> Should have stopped this a minute ago, uh, buddy. Fuck, I love Bioshock. Thanks a lot. Thanks for doing this, and uh, thanks for giving me an excuse to fucking replay one of my favorite games of all time. Anytime. Good stuff, buddy.
And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Tyler, thank you so much for uh, for working around my fucking weird-ass schedule and giving me a call to talk Bioshock. And to every single one of you hot dogs listening to my voice right now, thank you so much for downloading and supporting the show. I really appreciate it. If you have not played Bioshock, whether you heard that little spoiler at the end or not, I implore you to give it a chance. It goes on sale all the time. I have the Bioshock Remastered Collection on my Series X. I got all three for like 12 bucks. One of the greatest deals in the history of gaming. I adore this fucking game. Um, I got nothing else to plug. Uh, We're on Patreon. If you don't hate the show, we're like right on the cusp of 350 Patreons. It's been incredible, the spike we've seen in Patreon support lately. And I'm very grateful for it. Patreon.com slash remember the game. Two bucks a month. You're getting a new podcast every Friday, a new podcast every Sunday. You can write into the show. You can join our Discord. You get a shout out. You get instant access to our entire back catalog of bonus episodes. It's If you don't hate my voice, it's about the best deal in the history of the universe. Uh, Patreon.com slash remember the game. And we have awesome merch. You can find it at rememberthegamepodcast.com, including our great new video game mashup uh, designs that are just fucking like the coolest I, I don't even give a fuck i know i'm biased but i think they're just the coolest looking things in the world and uh oh yeah i'm on twitch follow me there remember the game completely free just tell me that you hate me or like me or whatever whenever i'm on there it's a lot of fun and uh i think that's it i got nothing left to plug so thank you so much to everybody that listened to this uh i'll be back three more times this week for more bonus podcasts if you're on patreon and if you're not that's cool i'll be back next week with episode 161 which i don't know what it's going to be about but it'll probably be about god of war because that one last month's patreon poll uh yeah thanks a lot everybody and i will talk to you again soon cheers Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not produce all the content I turn out every week without all of your support. So I'd like to take a quick moment to thank everyone that has supported us at patreon.com slash remember the game. So a huge thank you to Dave, Makeshift, Mallow Money, Todd, Joe Buck, Ben Drinkin, Sharonic, Andre, Stupid Monkey, Freezer Burnt, Tyler, Michael Mathis, Fake McHugh, Joshua Shenfield, Jeffrey Mathis, Keegs and His Stupid Arrow Handle, Gin and Chris, James Clark, Robert Lippa, Sean Razine, Dave McGee, DNA Gaming, Joe Gillespie, Nathan Warzica, Ashley Cronenbitter, Ben Bouillou, Slick Rick, Evan Refuse, Doug Dorn, Chris Flurry, Josh Morgan, Charlie Madero, Scott V, Rex Sheldon, Andrew Wright, Gary C, Divalk, Luca, Kate Roberts, They Call Me Badger, Joe Mack, Desert Tortoise, Jordan, Dylan, Do How, Kevin Hufford, Jason Cortez, The Good Enough Gamer, Fraser Burns, Brian McKay, Alex Martinez, April Sane, Nick Sills, Vladstein, Kyle Paul, Mark 209, Lil Bunny Fufu 89, Matt Brown, Ben Boucher, Adam Anderson, Aaron Cuphall, Dan T, Dave Thompson, No One Cares, Mackenzie Wheeler, Brandon O'Brien, Chris Campbell, Chuck Schlarp, Simon Brooks, Yamcha, Scott Brooks, Leon K, Adam O'Sharello, Dario Omen, Stitch, Aaron Lawson, Miklos Blackshaw, The T-Word, Michael Hegg, Mr. Nick, Matt McLean, Brian Ransom, Miles from BringBackRetro.com, White Burrow, Chris Knife 007, Nathan Tremblay, Mark Jones, A-Town, Andre SGA Flash, Brian Medeiros, Tom Kite, Danny Vega, David Ray, Geek Life Radio, Morgan, Ryan Yeager, John Quack, Zane Donovan, Adam J, S2S, Jerbear, Arpad Bodos, Ryan Kinchin, Tommy Reynolds, Defunct Mike Maloney, Christopher Russell, Ryan Bayshore, Retro Ghosty Ghost, X Water, Vincent L, Very Cool Dude, Jay Clutch, Starro Probin, Tim Riel, The Giraffe, Jared, PB McFadden, G9PSX, Tim L, Dominic S. Thompson, Martin Greenwood, Wolverine Films, Peebs, Silver Grunion, Mr. Satan, Raging Demon, 
Poops, Loomis, 8-Bit, Bovey, Pat Duddy, MPG, and Buffalo, James Anderson, Amy Gillen, Dana Wuchrall, That One Kid, Nick, Potato Bob Guy, Mad Shibs, Mercury869, Derek Jane, Rodrigo Tomazzi, Kelly, Jesse Clark, Pi Messiah, Sean Clifford, The Honest Pokemon Trainer, Bracken, Newcomb, Zootroy, Mfelf, A Novel Console, Kayfabe5150, Example Text, AJ Jones, AJ Freeman, JB Retromania, Ferdy Martinez, Troy Zuniak, Brendan Hine, Boognish, Wolfgang Darren, Ninja Lunchbox 79, Mr. Me, Seekso 406, Derpamus Prime, Seriously Ron P, Sam Wright, Retro Bismol, Andy Hudson, John Byrne 86, Joshua Davis, Stefan Fukasawa, Thor the Hammered, Kinslayer, Rogue Agent, Jafar McJr, Mega Man 2 OG, Good A, Goth C, Dane, Aaron Baker, Lord Finish, K Jam, Chris Coplin, Spencer C. Weiss, Mandingo, Cody Poland, J McC, or JMC, Fuck, here we go. Logan Hale, Doogie, Matt McLean, Pizza Power, Super Nintendo Dudes, Nathan Freak, Mike Burks, Trevor Sevenoaks, Ryan McCowan, Kerry Waka Waka, Fob, Paul Zoe, Magic, Wolf Magic K21, Johnny CCDC, CCDC, holy Christ, I suck at this, Joel LeBlond, Raul Aguar, I worked at Subway, David Phillips, Corey Street, Gary Heather, Carmichael Nicholas, Squints, John DeShazo, Tent Sparkster, Omega 88, Swedish Fish, Nathaniel Shelley, Explode Processing, Tim Chambo, Chowdy Laudy, Joseph Gonzalez, Lee Spilling, Dan Wagner, Daniel McKee, Candido, K Cuz, Guest House Productions, Bones 02, S2 Von 5000, Titan 420, Jose E. Marco, Seth Mayfield, Tom Calvert, Chris Freeman, Kyle Bolton, Scarlett, Zonko 504, Lee Sparks, A Sharp J. Oprah's Iron Fist, Tom Maya, Adam Ferrer, Russell Aldridge, Chris Dory, Classic Crusade, Big G, Astral Soul, Shannon Willis, Scott Roseberry, Karth from KOTOR, Sean Radford, Chance McCoy, Josh Valentini, Hammond Agar, Ronnie Sachs, My Name is Adam and Mega Man Sucks, Jeff Bergeron, Adam, Ian Watts, Dale Baker, Joe Kirby, Captain N, Owen the Game Furchuck, Super Dave, Plucky Beast, Broken Spoilers, Harmony, Harmonies David, Game Nomad Misi, Tristan, Jerry Robinson, Emily Luna, Kenneth Michael Brown, Leigh Evans, Daniel Stidham, Darth Obvious, Master Boyg, Leon Nabskog, Trapper Keeper 1000, Daniel, Astro Alpica, Rob Strothman, Ryan Groinus, Kaiser Dragon, Pee Pee Poo Poo Cuckoo Pants, Kyle Dodd, Jared Bushlin, Stu Bergeric, Eden Awaits 1981, Tunable Power, Borrow, The Gray Bearded One, Dan Taylor, Swanee, Hayes 87, Lukey Mole, Danny Proudfoot, Tom Danks, John Woodruff, Angel Cortez, Dusty Salad, Chris Meisner, Randy Barrage, Neo Nevis, Andy Spillin, Brian Spritzer, Michael Clark, Chalupa Cabra, Thomas Simmons, Sean Byron, Rocker Dude, Saskatchewan River Pirate, What Great Gaming, Mikey NL83, I Am the Mutt, Juga, Brian Sherborne, Joseph Chiampetti, Adam Fisher, Adam Stank, Generic Schilling, Noob Q, G Virus 88, Beth, Rob Kinsley, Benny MB, Shadow Annex 626, Vomit the Soul, Strife 89, Thermopolis, Paul Rakowski, Liam, Micah Veal, Chris Daniels, Gareth Dunn, Matt, Denzalo, Evan, King Caruso 64, David Deegan, Michael Bayshore, Eric Chavinius, Matthew and Jules Forever, Holmes, Ryan Gibbons, Dan S., Adam Goldstein, Beagle the Butch, Austin Yurisetti, Matt High, Nemo Sandoval, Matthew Centrone, and Noah Bleem. Fuck, I suck at this. But either way, thank you all so much. If I mispronounced your name, consider it a badge of honor. I appreciate the support. I'll talk to you again next week. Cheers.